Hey, this is Charlie from Aftermath, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Cheering crowd sound, it's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. On this episode, I'm joined by Charlie from Aftermath, the fantastic metal band with a history that dates back to 1985. We discuss their upcoming album, No Time to Waste. We do a deep dive on the influences behind the lyrics, discussing many conspiracy theories along the way. We delve into the history of the band, including the recording process for Eyes of Tomorrow, which was put on hold for a couple of years. And we discuss the court case against Dr. Dre over the use of the name Aftermath. And finally, Charlie has been to over 800 concerts in his lifetime. So you know there's going to be some pretty cool stories to go along with it. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. The scumbags are in control. You die! 
Charlie, you're very welcome to concerts that made us. Thank you for having us. I love the the concept of the thing concerts have made us because concerts literally made me. You know, I mean, you know, when you're a child, uh, till I got to my first concert, I told you it was Queen. It was two years, '79 Kiss Dynasty's tour. I was promised I'd go. I didn't go last minute. My parents didn't take us. And I swear on this fact. I probably the only time in my life I cried. And I buried my head in the couch from the moment it started, like seven o'clock to almost eleven. My parents couldn't get me up. I wouldn't move. It was like I was like literally in the couch with my head buried in. And I was that depressed. And, um, <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah, and 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 then the Woman and Children First, the Van Halen tour, 1980. Those two really would have been my first concert if I if my parents agreed. But fortunately, though, it kind of helped me to be able to go to 800 concerts because. Uh, if, you know, Van Halen would be wild for them. You know, what I mean, they probably go these yeah. little kids that can't go there. I mean, we were. I was like, I just turned to eleven. My brother was eight. I mean, you, you imagine now leaving your kids at a heavy metal show. My mom left us at noon, dropped us off at the International Amphitheater. They picked us up at midnight, and where uh, that place is in Chicago, the amphitheater, it was on the you know bad neighborhood. It was on the ghetto side, you know, real bad neighborhood. Jeez. I, I can't even understand the idea. Like, I'll see you later, kids. And she's driving away, and literally, she's dropping off two babies on the south side of Chicago for twelve hours. <laughs> you're, you're 25. You're young, but our generation, we could have done this stuff. Like, we're famous, the latchkey generation, you know? Yeah. The people yeah. leave, and like the whole United States at that time was filled with empty houses with kids just in it until the parents came from work. You know, we were yeah. no babysitters, no nothing. I suppose there was less fear those days, though, you know. There wasn't any fear, man. It was weird. I mean, kids weren't afraid. Parents weren't afraid. Like, literally, we'll see you when the lights... Uh, the big thing was to come, be home before the uh, when the uh, street lights turn on, when it gets dark. Mm -hmm. There was a rule. So you could have left at 8 in the morning and came then, and there, there was no cell phones. So how would they find you? you know I mean, there was no... It, it was... You know, I'm surprised any of us made it. You know what I mean? First of all, <laughs> nobody had seen, there was no safety stuff anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But the lucky thing, we're Generation X. And the thing is, the generations before us, they weren't uh, like, uh, before us, they weren't teenagers sitting around the houses watching, because uh, we had videos. You know, maybe the the remote might have had cords on them. We had video, like Atari came out. We had, we could rent movies. Mm. And we had like kind of a cable thing called on TV here and and uh, Spectrum, you know, we paid once a month, but everybody got the bootleg boxes. That never existed. So we're the first generation that started living the way, you know, we the the the, the relaxation part of it was a lot for us. The generation before the teenagers weren't, they were supposed to be growing up and act responsible. And then after us, after the generation next, it turned and it became real safety. And they call them the helicopter parents because they never let their kids go anywhere. So it was that... Um, uh, 65 to whatever a generation X and the most freedom kids ever had in the world, man. It was the freest we've ever had. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Jeez. It's a, a way, a long way off from what's, what it's like today. Anyway, night and day difference. Yeah. Yeah. We kicked the show off with your latest release. No time to waste. It's off your forthcoming album. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yeah. Um, it's the title track, and um, it's uh, our third album. But um, I don't know if you know, we were broken up. Like, um, our debut record came out in 1994, Eyes of Tomorrow. 
our reunion album, which was a concept album called There Is Something Wrong, came out in 2015 when we reunited, uh, 19, 2019. So we were broken up from 1996 to 2015. And then 2015 and now. And we only reunited because we got an offer to go to Germany and play at Headbangers Open Air. And I, I always went to Europe. We like, And we decided, yeah, let's do it. I'm not going to say how it happened because it was almost like magical to us. Because me and Steve Sackle, the guitar player, formed the band. And Ray the drummer, us three, right? And we lost a touch with Steve after we broke up and. 96 and stuff like that. I mean, I didn't talk, we didn't talk to him for almost 20 years, you know? He just, like, no fight or nothing like that. He just got, went out to, you know, he just became a mainstream guy and I kept playing in other bands, you know? And our drummer wanted to play. He always called up every six months, right? Or every six years, or maybe. Hey, man, we got to get a whole cycle, man. We got to play again, you know? And um, I, I don't know where, man. Right, right around the same time the offer came and the only reason we got the offer because some fan of ours started uh, MySpace from Czechoslovakia. This guy, I don't know where he used to he used to be a snail mail guy. You know, you know, I, was, you know, I don't know where one day he sends us. Uh, I, I don't know how it. I don't know. He goes, hey, do you mind if I start an math page for uh, MySpace? You know, because a, a, a lot of the old school metal bands um, seem to be music was important on MySpace. He said, you know, and let people get, you know, or don't disappear or whatever. I go, no, I go. To do whatever you want, man. I don't care. But then, after he had it for a couple of years, I started noticing. I started going to it because I never went. I, my, I didn't even have MySpace. It was getting big. They were like, I think at the end it, it went up to over ten thousand or something like that. Yeah. When I, I go, I'm going to take it over now, man. And plus, plus the offer came through there, and some other offers like through there. If he didn't set it up, we would have never gotten the offer to go to Europe. That then we wouldn't have it. And also, we got a. Uh, Chinese record company called Area Death. They got a hold of us with it and they put together this amazing box set. Ah. Oh, I love the artwork on it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, the art and the artwork right here, the skulls. The blood stain is actually uh my that was the that blood stain because it was kind of a weird I don't know if you could tell. In Greece with my brother we got into a fight with some people at a bar and uh he was wearing a white shirt and literally this symbol came out like that. It, it, it looks weird. I mean, it almost looks like a character. You know what It actually looks like the shape of a, a little scorpion or something. Almost. Yeah, something like something, right? Yeah, yeah. Amazing, man. Like, I mean, it's got all the discs. It's got all our demos, like uh, our demo number one from 86, Killing the Future from 87. And it's got posters, a DVD. So this is all because the guy said, from Chuckle, so like, hey, should I start my... There's a lot more. Oh, we got a Chicago festival we played when we reunited. Mm. So this is Eyes of Tomorrow, our debut album. Yeah, yeah. But it, it got remastered. Here's the home. This it's been out so many times, man. Like <laughs> this this version here, of oh, the original. Uh, Black Lotus put it out in Greece in '98. Um, Thermometer, another label, America put it out. I forgot was it one of those years. It's on the box set. Oh, and Shadow Kingdom put it out here, like this one. So here's the difference. This is the 2019 version. See the cover, how the logo is? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, way better. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, definitely. And the back is cooler. Look at look at the back. Yeah, and this yeah. Back, and this was the original back. Oh, yeah, the, that one's way cooler, all right. Yeah, yeah that's, it's funny there, because right now, 
I, I didn't have long hair for 20 years. I cut my hair in the probably early 90s, something like that. And in this picture, I, I don't know if you can see me in the middle, like where I am. Yeah, yeah. I got the same hair now that when I was a kid, and I'm still smoking cigarettes because there's a cigarette in my hand there. <laughs> That's not good. I, I should have been. The reason I grew my hair is because uh, where we had to go get a haircut, you had to wear a mask. You know, right when like 2020 when I started. So that first one, the first time going since COVID, I go to because I was my brother. We were going to go together because we know the lady. We're from. Um, when was when did the COVID thing start? 2020, right? Like in March. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I go, I'm not going, man. So I'll just go next time. They'll be over by then, you know, the mask thing. I, I'm not going to wear a mask, man. And then next thing, you know, keep, the second, the next time came like months later, you know, I, I don't know how, it was every three, four months we get here. Man, I swear to God, it seems like I woke up and I don't know where I had like a wig of my, like I go, what, I, when I was fucking, in my teens, I couldn't wait to get long hair, you know? I felt like it took forever. Now it felt like a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, my dad's here from Greece and stuff. And uh, he's not used to it. He's used to be with Shorty or everything. And just the other day, he was in Greek, he was on Maluklas, like some kind of diss on long hair. He was, go cut those Maluklas. What the hell do you think you're doing? <laughs> oh, I'm going to rebel, though. Since he says that, a grown man, I go, I'm not cutting my hair. I'm free. I'm a, <laughs> free. Uh, you're a uh, old man, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the four coming out, and then it's uh, part of a trilogy. What led to the decision to do a trilogy? Well, Eyes of Tomorrow, uh, um, when it came out, and plus, that album should have been out really in 80, 90, 1990. And it, it was the beginning of, we started out, and when we when our first demo came out, they got really known around the world. You know, demos got big and popular. We were, we, we were crossover, the genre, but we didn't know it. There was no name for the genre. It became uh, the genre of crossover in 1988 when it got dubbed that moniker, right? Mm. That subgenre name. And it was the DRI album that finally gave him a name. You know, before the it was a cross of hardcore punk and heavy metal. There was no name, and I, I looked at it. I, we found our old bio, our first one ever. We just called it Thrashcore. Way before you know, in the night the, the core bands came out, deathcore, metalcore. You know, yeah, yeah. It had nothing to do. So, but Thrashcore fit, you know, because we knew Thrash. The name was already established. It's Thrash. I'm saying the subgenres of the and death metal. You know, Thrash metal, death metal were around. Well, there was power metal, but Metallica were calling themselves power metal, not thrash. So it was so new when we came in. We knew that we wanted to be like, uh, you know, at that point, I heard Kill Em All and uh, Whiplash and Metal Militia. And those fast songs were amazing, man. You know, the, the, you know, the riffs and everything. I go, man, why couldn't all 10 songs be just like that? Because you're young. You don't care about variety. You just go, man, I want every song to be the intensity of Whiplash. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Or, or like even... Uh, Exodus had a full-on thrash album, but they came out in 86. and Or like Slayer, until they did Rain of Blood. When I heard Rain of Blood, we were blown away, you know? So we started out as a real mixture. I mean, I think our show, uh, especially when uh, from New York City, those crumb suckers came to play with us, because we were playing with punk bands. Our first bass player, me, Stephen Ray, that are in the band, uh, the bass player we had back then, it was a skinhead, a real skinhead. And even to this day, he's a skinhead. It never changed. He looks like he came out of the London scene in the punk rock days. <laughs> he was one of those guys I remember, the suspenders, the boots. And one time we were playing with a bunch of hardcore bands at a place called The Bank. And an audience member had a cigarette in his mouth. And Anna's was playing his bass, you know. And then also he takes his leg and he likes the, the audience member's cig a cigarette. 
And then we go, that's, that was just a punk rock thing, you know, not, not planned, but it was so funny to see that, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then, uh, so the, the demo was so fast, Killing the Future is called, and, it, and there was no crossover. It was so new. And even here in Chicago, I remember our first show, people go, what are you guys doing, man? That's noise, that music they're playing. Priest UFO, I mean, that's metal, dude. You guys are making noise. You know, they didn't understand. And then years later, they all got into Slayer, Metallica, you know. And uh, so that really blew up the band in the underground, man. Like, uh, Metal Forces picked it as one of the best demos of the year, put out in a compilation with uh, four other bands that got known. One of them was Chris Barnes' band, you know, which became Cannibal Corpse and stuff. And, uh, and time went so fast. So this is like 85 to 87. 88, we go in to record another demo. It's called Words That Echo Fear. And this, this was recorded. It involved Roadrunner Records. But we, we ended up going with this company named Big Chief. It was uh, going to be distributed by Warner Brothers Metal Blade. So we signed the record deal with them through that. And again, it was totally different because, like, I remember the letters we were getting from Europe. You guys aren't fast anymore, man. What is it? Yeah, man, I wish I wish you knew the sound. Just a drastic change. It went from full-on rain and blood, you know, nonstop, to yes. slow, progressive, technical thrash metal. Because the musicians of the band, they could play anything. So it became... Uh, a pink floor, like if you bought those kind of things into the thrash metal genre. And again, there wasn't a name for it. But now it's, you know, now that's what we're known for, you know, <laughs> even more. We're a technical progressive thrash band. And um, so both times it was just exciting. Nobody's done this before, you know, like, and plus without the internet, I mean, come on, who's doing it? It seemed like nobody, you know? Yeah. In Chicago, yeah. the other underground bands here were death metal bands, like Master, Devastation, and uh, nobody was like, Fast, thrash, hardcore, you know, like that. And then uh, the debut album, we go in, we start recording it. They pay half the money, and the rest is when you're done. In the middle of it, man, the label went bankrupt. So for us to get our album back, we had to pay like <laughs> maybe $5,000 what was left of the deal. And uh, I know that people don't think that's a lot of money, but we're, you're, the oldest guy's like 19, 20 years old, all of us. None of us had jobs. So it took us five years to pay it off. So think about how ahead of his, like, for instance, uh, Worship Metal, uh, a site, you know, it's a known website for metal. You know, I think they're yeah. from Britain. Yeah. Just the other day, they put it on our wall. I tomorrow is one of the 10 best views of the 90s for metal, you know? And so it was funny. I'd be opening up the snail mail because I, five bucks a demo. So it kept going for years. And, interviews where you had to answer forever man on paper and stuff and i remember when the confusion we, it's nothing like the first demo and it was so close in time like 87 <laughs> 88 89 we were playing a whole other style and then uh the next so the debut album came out in 94 the worst year in heavy metal metal like iron maiden came here and even though dickinson was in the band they weren't playing stadium a uh, big place in the one metal was kind of frowned upon it you know because of the grunge scene it was yeah, in yeah. and all that shit, Pearl Jam. So we broke up. And I thought, that's it, you know. The, but for some reason, when something stays in the underground, it kept growing, even though nobody was, none of the band guys, no, nobody was pushing it on its own with no re-releases. And since then, it, it's it's reached its standard, like, in technical progressive thrash metal. It's like a legendary album for those that scene, you know. Mm. And, um, and that happened when the band was broken up, which is kind of funny. And then uh, the third album, No Time to Waste, 
Well, no, no, second album, which came out in 19. It, it's called There Is Something Wrong. It's a concept record about who really runs the world. And it's and one of my favorite bands of all time is Pink Floyd. I've listened to Animals a million times. That's a concept album about the same thing as that album. And I found out like in 2020, you know, when the album was already out, I go, oh my God. That's why it's sheep, dogs, the sheep are the people, the yeah. dogs are the enforcers, the police, and then the, there's one more, you know. Um, and he did it so brilliantly. He hid it from somebody that paid attention to Pink Floyd. And I didn't realize it was a concept album. And it was, I didn't think the lyrics mattered. You know what I mean there? Yeah, yeah. So there is something wrong. Full on, man. If you listen to it from beginning to end, it gives you the tension how the world became in 20, you know, the chaos of the world after the pandemic and the uncertainty, the, the confusion, you know what I mean? The common sense seemed gone. You'll hear on the news one day, do this the next day contradiction like yeah yeah literally in a day became that silly right yeah and i didn't um, know what they were doing sure yeah it seemed like the world was running like like infants running confused what do we do next <laughs> i mean literally on tv i, I ignored all that because i go man i made a concept album about stuff like this happening literally one of the songs goes it, uh they're gonna attack in these kind of ways and a big one's gonna be up through a virus and i go man it happens Pretty much the same year that happens. I put out this album. You can't even tour or do nothing now. I go. I didn't. I thought maybe it'd be in the future, or a few years. I didn't think it was going to be on the, pretty much when the album comes out. <laughs> and, and you know, making an album like that, it's kind of risky too. Because I could have looked at the lyrics a couple of years later. I go, what the hell was I thinking, man? That's that's lunacy talk. But see, I can my conspiracies that I point out. I didn't go looking for. Uh, I didn't go, man. I want to be a conspiracy tinfoil guy and say i met a lizard today and uh he was a governor that's i would want to disprove them but i was mad one night because i was gonna get in trouble because i was gonna fight somebody in an alley a friend of mine both same size we both wanted we were mad at each other and some neighbors wanted to call the cops because of that and we go it's me and him we're the only ones that are gonna hurt each other yeah so then i go uh, i don't know why it hit me but yeah, the country we live in, they could go wars and kill people, which is fighting a massive level, and they get away with it. Like, this isn't hurting anybody, this kind of violence, you know? It mm-hmm. wasn't like anybody jumping on anybody. It was like, because his brother was a boxer, and, you know, yeah, yeah. Italian guy, Greek guy, you know what I mean? You know, a good friend, like, you fight, like fighting a brother. Yeah, yeah. Why would police get involved with that? So <laughs> I go, hey, man. This world's full of violence. So, just so happens, I was drunk too. I go inside because we're right in the alley. I go in my house and drunkenly, I go, How long? What's the longest period of time America hasn't had a war where they didn't go and fight anybody? I, I was searching. I thought I'd find 10 years. It's never happened. Really? Yeah. It's never happened, man. Because, see, after, uh, after they stopped calling them wars, a lot of people think it's wars. They never stopped even after the Vietnam War. That was the name of the war. They became like, you know, all these crazy names they use, you know what I mean? Like, but it started with the Revolutionary War. As a matter of fact, I list them all, every war. And you could just Google that and find all the wars. Just go all the wars America's been in and how long. And uh, see, there's so many things I got to say now. I'm getting kind of excited and carried away. We only have done one cover, and it's on this album that's coming out. But it came out as a single already. John Lennon's Give Peace a Chance. Yeah, yeah. So I was we, going to ask you, why did you uh, pick John Lennon's "Give Peace a Chance" to to do a cover of? Because um, when we were, when we were writing the concept album after it came out, John Lennon, I always wondered if he was real on his revolutionary stances. Because when I was 
going, man, he's got a bed in in Toronto, and he's saying he doesn't want the Vietnam War to happen. I go, and he's sitting in bed with Yoko. I mean, what is that? Yeah, anybody can say it from their bed, right? But when he explained it, when I actually looked for the reason he said it, he goes, hey, man, I can't do nothing. They're not going to stop having wars no matter what you do. He goes, even if you go on the streets, if they want, we see that with the Iran shit when they lied. All the countries of the world came out, every Paris, Athens, France, whatever. We don't want wars, man, with Iraq. And then they went, devastated the country. And then they go, oh, yeah, I guess they didn't have uh, bombs there. We made a mistake. They weren't the people involved with 9-11. But we just destroyed their whole nation and killed millions of poor families. Oops. I seen George Bush at a conference. He goes, and he was making fun. There's no weapons of war under here. <laughs> you know, when he was doing a speech at a diner, like all those uh, yeah, yeah, the banquets there. And when he was laughing like that, man, I, I mean, if you really seen how those cities look like normal, I went. I, I'm Greek. I went to Greece many times. That Middle East, man, it looked like it could have been Tripoli. I was born in Tripoli, Greece. They don't look that different now. They all look like they're devastated. And they, there was no reason for war. So John Lennon. And, and he was taking out uh, billboards all around America and the big cities. White signs give peace a chance. He goes, I'm trying to sell. Just like these corporations sell war to you, I'm selling peace to you because there's nothing else you could do. And I didn't get, I fully didn't get what he meant. But you know what he means? The, on the new album, we got a song called We Don't Need a Riot. We don't need no violence. We want, it, we want the reset. The 1% has identified themselves. When we were growing up, we didn't know there was, a, we knew there was rich class and stuff, but we always thought you could become as rich as any rich. But that 1%, nobody, no, unless you're in the bloodline, you, can, you can't even get near. You could, you could have a successful business and be, have 10 million. That's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The 1%, they print the money, they created it. The Federal Reserve is theirs, those families, uh, the machine, they print it, paper, it's fiat cash. And plus they own all the important land. And it's part of the three city states, Lower London, Vatican, and District of Columbia. And when I was writing the stuff like Killing the Future, the demo, like a song called Meltdown, it goes disease, filth, spread it with no guilt. We die, you lie, what's that in the sky? Getting poisoned in the sky. And it goes, fragile little puppets controlled by a few. The ruling class is never chosen by you. One day they'll kill us and now that's the truth. Can't be prevented, there's nothing we can do. And it go melt down. That was a cross in 87. Like crazy. War for Freedom was another song on there. Chaos was it on Chaos? The lyrics literally. See now, I don't bragging doesn't matter because you could go and find them yourself. In the old days, if I said, go, "What's this guy talking about, man?" Now you can verify it. <laughs> yeah. Read my lyrics for Chaos in 1987. It's basically saying you know, they're going to dumb down society so much that they're going to get confused by anything. So the, you, you won't be able to argue something that's known as a fact anymore. That's what like, the, the chorus was. No more reason. No more logic. No more thought. No more life. Running rampant, acting crazy, going, running rampant. in the future, you know? Basically, you're running around because you can't sit a person down when they're that brainwashed because you'll tell them, you know, it's a beautiful day right now. It's, what do you mean it's a beautiful day? It's nighttime, man. That's stupid. And you get stuck arguing and you're never going to win. You'll never, it's, it's pointless. It's not like the classical uh, type of people that were Democrat, you know, where they thought, hey, man. They disagree with me. Let's sit down and have a conversation. And when we're done talking, we're going to walk away, probably have a beer and be cool with each other. Yeah. They've turned. And uh, okay, on, this, uh, on another song, when we're telling people what's happening on the console, we go, they're not only uh, dividing us by black and white, like how metal got millions of subgenres and every band's got their own little genre now, gore grind or, you know, porno grind or whatever. 
they they even took the extreme underground scenes like the underground uh, gay scene and now man lesbians hate gay guys the um lgbtq blah, 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 whatever they they splintered that group too so they won't be united they splintered like uh racist we don't know any man the metal like if you see i was watching murder in the front row where the beginning of the thrash metal with exodus metallica right mm. all kids thrashing at ruthie zen in 1985 right like going crazy two black kids in the middle of it doing it man it's just like in chicago nobody would fuck with them at all we we love that they were there you know it was like if if 10 black guys came to metal shows they were into it, 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 it would we treat them way better than we treat any white guy because they can uh, listen to our stuff you know metal and they want to hear it why we that's great how would you, how would you not love that so yeah exactly now here at this age there's people that are race wars all over the country for fucking out of nowhere man that's brainwashing to make the division because Man, there was no problem, man. Especially, you grew up enough, man. You're so young, though. But, man, especially if you lived through the 90s when we all became the generation that got into our early 20s. And everything, you should have seen our scene, man. Our neighborhoods, our bars. There was never one scene where it was all white or anything. It was white, black, Puerto Rican. That's how we thought the world was. Yeah, yeah. Why would you be a racist? The silliest thing in the world. Now, we're dealing with that shit. And see, when they put out Trump and guys like Brian, those guys don't control anything. Trump, his job was to come in and become a divider because they needed some president to be, there was no passion. Nobody cared about the presidents, you know? And then, for some reason, that clown got a lot of fucking people that aren't even racist to go on his way. And, they, and the red hat became like, and uh, just like uh, Black Lives Matter, which was Floyd, all staged events. They, they all tie in together. That was dividing the blacks. Both of them, Trump and Floyd was the same reason. Mm. You know? And then, I don't know if you know about Floyd, yeah, I yeah. can't breathe on yeah. the back, right? The, the next day, the shirts were out. I can't breathe everywhere. Yeah, straight away. There was no delay. Yeah, and even one of the, like the Black Lives Matter, first of all, there was a scandal already with the, the lady that started because she got funded by George Soros and she lived in a rich neighborhood, gated. And she, a black lady, right? And Black Lives Matter. And she was living with rich white people. You know, she wasn't living with the people that needed help, her community. I mean, they, they, people went out. So they already got blown up. Why the money? Just look into that. It's, it's, so I can't breathe. And then a little while later, it's going on when they mask people with the masks. I can't breathe. That's all symbolism to psychologically get to you. It's gaslighting, you know? And um, unfortunately, man, a lot of people don't see it because all it takes is knowing. That's it. You don't have to even pick up a weapon. If we all know, just like the way, let's say we live in this block, me and you, you're my neighbor, right? And for 40 years, 200, whatever years, somebody's been ripping off our garages or whatever, our tomatoes or whatever. And we never, for years, we, what's happening? Man, what gang does it? And it's so organized, right? And then we find out, well, it's that guy at the corner by the block that does it. Friday, you know, they're crazy. We know that it's done. It's over. It's literally like that. Because because yeah. we're, we're in the billions. The bloodlines are in the, not even over 100,000 of them. And they're not even like powerful men that will go and fight. They start wars and it's enough to die. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they talk about global warming. I could tie in so well everything, but I don't want to waste time when we're supposed to be talking about this stuff. But when I was a little kid, there was a big commercial in the 70s. And it was a PSA that ran all the time. Man. Traffic, some kids throws a piece of garbage outside his car, you know, on the highway. Yeah. 
on the size of an Indian man, and he's a teardrop. It was a black and white. It looked like the 70s, you know. The kid, it was the beginning of the global warming thing. You know, you're, you 99% are destroying the planet. But when I was a little kid, I, I would go, yeah, but the smokestack in the back, far away in the distance, it wasn't a picture because it was a real highway, you know. There were smokestack factories, and the smoke was coming out in the air, like dirty burning the world, destroy the world. I go, hmm. So that little kid throwing a piece of paper, the Indian's crying because of that. But yet the the 1% that is clearly in the background, the highways, the cars they make, that's doing all the damage, they're not doing it. How do people not see that right away? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you live a life like that going, nothing made sense to me. Yeah. We're going to get arrested because me and my friends are smoking the joint and not bothering anybody. But we could, the next night we could go buy a bottle of whiskey and Tear up the neighborhood. It's like that. So the peaceful thing, you're in trouble. Go buy the hard stuff that really causes the damage. Everything's like that, man. So when I, I could clearly, I could say this for a fact right now, everything, anybody's been told, push, it's all a lie. It's all the opposite. The little smidges of the truth. And it's all for the thing that, you know, everybody fucking joked about, man. It's all the new world order stuff. They want by 20. controlling the narrative. Yeah, the narratives control through television and stuff because television was created like it, man this is so fucking interesting the black box is a symbol because these people do everything as symbols that's why they wear gowns in courtrooms that's why they wear gowns in in uh, churches that's why they wear gowns as princes that's why you got to kiss it they're all anti-god because they treat themselves as idols like the pope the pope's a piece of shit somebody should go shoot him in the head the pope first of all everybody knows the Vatican Church is child molesters because they use children and they really need the adrenochrome. The adrenochrome, they even sell it now as a product. You know, stupid Hollywood celebrities. Adrenochrome makes you look younger. But unfortunately, it gets into really dark matters. And adrenochrome, you really get it from children when they're terrified of the blood. When they, they're terrified, that's when they want their blood, when they, when they tormented them. Because whatever it is in their chemicals, that's their drug. And man, it, it's fueled by that. And if you start connecting the dots and realize it, you cannot see it. It's too, it's too, I don't get why everybody's not awake, man. Because any event, man, you can bring up to me, any war. If you, When you find out they started every war on a purpose, there's a reason why every war was started. Yeah. Like Vietnam was, you know, it's out now, you know. They they hit, uh, they got hit, um, uh, the name of the, by Britain. They hit the American thing. In the Tonkin, wasn't it? Yeah, Tonkin. Yeah, yeah. So you know about that? I do, I do. You know why they did that? Because back then the public would look, hey man, we don't want no war with these people. Look what Muhammad Ali said. And they fucking kicked for in the prime of his career. And he's in an interview. He goes, This government wants me to go over to Vietnam, kill people that I never met, that have never bothered me, never will bother me. But they're telling me to go do that when they treat my people like shit. Yeah. Come on, man. That's, those, that's a true man of honor. But see, they got him by the hits to the head. Because I met Muhammad Ali in, in an airport in 1978 or whatever. And we, we, uh, my older, my dad's cousin was there because he, he was flying back to Greece. And we all talked. He he, he, could, he he was messed up. So he was a man of truth. If he didn't have that, he'd be dead. John Lennon, uh, Bob Marley. Um, put it this way. If you really look at anybody that said anything, let's do this for humanity, man. Let's not, and everything, and if they got the power where other people will listen, they'll, they'll be gone. Yeah, definitely. Most people let keep talking like that. When, like a person, where people go, they got, Alex Jones, that guy's an idiot, man. Look at him, tinfoil hair guy. But that's, and 
see everything I tell you. I, I, it's hard for me to talk to people that ask me about this because the conspiracy theory that came out by the CIA right after the Vietnam War because there was a Martin Luther King death, the Kennedy death, and uh, the three or both Kennedys, mm-hmm. where it didn't make sense to the public. They weren't stupid. They weren't brainwashed as much as we are now. Even though now they're awakening now more than ever, but but you know, and there's literally paper they sent the to, to documents to Hollywood, you know, the studios that they were running. On this season, this is the word you're going to be using. Use this word, conspiracy theorist, in crowded scenes. Let the guy say it where it's a uh, you know not, you know loud, and then everybody around laugh at him. You're loud. It says it says how to say it. This is out there. I mean, it's out now, and so. The CIA, right there, that should wake up somebody right away and then go from there. So they came up with the conspiracy, put it on TV shows so they could see anybody that goes against the narrative of anything they say, you're an idiot and you're mentally retarded. You know? yeah. And again, I know the reason why they did because if they didn't do that step, man, it would have been hard. That little step right there, it, it had to catch on. The, the shit that they did, man, with all of Vietnam, Martin Luther King, another person else. Oh, Malcolm X, man. All those guys, everybody knew it at that scene. I bet you wouldn't tell anybody in the street that they go, the government did it, man. Look what they said about 9-11, man. You really think they catch those guys right away the next day? Oh, we found this one passport in a cab, so that's how we identified that guy. Uh, the other one was actually falling from the rubble where the whole building... See, I couldn't say another thing. Buildings never fell like that in the history of mankind. There's a petition that went around with 2,000 architects. They go, it's impossible for them to fall like they fell. And then... Three hours later, another World Trade Center 7, most people don't know about this, fell exactly where. And the reasons they gave it fell, well, but there were all their buildings all around them. How come they weren't falling or nothing? I mean, I'm just saying their, their, their answer is, you might as well hear this. That makes more sense than their uh, answer for anything. Or Tuskegee syphilis study, ever heard that? Yeah, yeah. Because no, I just seen it the other day where somebody said it or something new. Well, what are they going to do? Another Tuskegee? You know, Tuskegee for 40 years, not that far from here, up in Wisconsin, they went to the communities there. The communities loved them. Doctors, mental community, care about them. They told them, we're going to monitor you guys, give you all the health like rich middle class people. Get. We're here for you. For 40 years, they were poisoning them in different ways. They killed almost 100,000 of them. They were injecting syphilis. All right, we gave this guy still for this June of 1969. 1970, as it progressed to death, what did it do? They were, and there's pictures of poor, mainly black men, you know, because it was a black guy, but poor people. That's all. And there's a picture, man, and they're all happy, lined up. And you can tell, the, you know, because black people were so nice that, you know, they came in, they were hugging the doctors. Like, we love you, doc. They were murdering them, man, one by yeah. one. Yeah. You know? And how the bloodlines took out the medical system where it was like more the Greek ancient doctors were curing you with natural elements. Cancers didn't really exist. There's everything that we could get like uh disease wise can be cured naturally with the right natural stuff. Mm. Oh, but what did they take over? They took it over the, uh, uh, which one was it? It was the man, uh, Rothschilds or whatever, one of them. And there's specifically, you can read the plans, how they're going to do it where it's all based on, like almost keeping you alive for to milk you through their insurance companies that they own. Yeah, so it'll make more money. And it's, it's well with them, they have all the money in the world. It's not about the money, man. You know what it's really about? They want you to become bad. They want you to join their team. They want just like the whole Catholic, really all religions. 
Greek Orthodox, Catholic, they're all cults. They all, they all, they're all keeping you away from God. They're, they're, they're suppressing. We're powerful. Like they need us to, they can't do stuff to us if we don't want it. We got to accept it. There's codes and rules. They do it. That's why a lot of preventive, they, they show stuff in movies and hint about it because they go, Hey man, I warned you, man. I told you, you know, we're going to do it. We told you on the Tony said, you know, we, we showed you here. It's not our fault. You walked into that explosion. You know, we warned you our kind of you. They just want you to, um, that's their way of saying whatever they got conscious wise or the deal they have with, with nature. But they, we're suppressed because that's why you, sometimes you feel like you get deja vu or you're thinking about something. There's all this part of us where they suppressed our knowledge. We, I mean, we could have been taught like um, the societies that created all those magical buildings with pipe organs and stuff that they can't create now. You know, they go over these massive, those were all destroyed because they wanted us to think the civilizations before us were the dark days. They lived like uh, hunter gatherers. Yeah, they yeah. were sophisticated, man. That's why slowly it's coming up. I remember one time in the late '80s, uh, somewhere in Rome or something, they had, or they had plumbing like we have now. Back then, we heard it, you know. Mm. All that stuff is all hidden. It's all hiding what we are. Like, look into. I mean, you actually think they could actually go to the moon? And now, when you ask, "Hey, can you go to the moon?" and NASA goes, "Well, we literally," the guy goes, "We love to go to the moon, but we we lost the technology." We hope to gain it back one day, but now we're going to think about maybe going to Mars. You know, but, <laughs> so, and I, I worked for a catering company once and I seen the shuttle that was, they, they had it at the museum down in Chicago. And we were looking at it, man, because we could go closer because we were working at the museum and stuff. You know, this thing doesn't seem like it, it seems like kids made it. It didn't even look like anything to travel like a, a mile away. You know, it looked like tinfoil. <laughs> I mean, it looked, and that went through and came back. And first of all, contradiction right there. What have they been telling us in school? You cannot go through the Van Allen belt, the radiation. I remember in school, science, no, you can't go. But we didn't, have, we didn't ask his kids because, well, teacher, how do they get to the moon then if you can't go through it? And they say that NASA now. We lost the technology and, you know, there's the Van Allen belt all thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so how did you guys go? So in 69, you had a special thing that went through it and then never this is it. That's how silly it is. It's almost like they placate you. It's almost like when they tell kids Santa Claus and adults believe those kind of miraculous stories. I mean, it's what they're feeding you, man. I mean, it's, or, and then, and, and, you know, if you look at that album, there is something wrong with Constable. And I guarantee you, bro, if you talk to me in 10 years from now, every song, every word, you, they'll, they'll, if you see what you'll, you'll know every year, you'll know it's, it's all true. There's nothing on it. Uh, the Federal Reserve when it was created, and just the other day, and somebody I told him that man, I, I could. What do you mean the government? I go, it doesn't. It's the bloodline. It's a family's probably It started. I go read the book, the about Jekyll Island, the, how they did the whole thing. It's out. You should know that by now. And you said, I go. Did you go to university? You Yeah, man. I go. Okay, that's right. Because you you went once you go through this. Their schools, the universities, they teach. That's why nobody can. With a mind that thinks they'll never, you can't go, you won't last in those things because they're teaching you the specific things they want you to know. They just like the news, they tell you on the news what they want you to know, not what you need to hear, you know? Exactly, and what, exactly. And it, it, I, don't, I don't even think we're supposed to eat like meat, especially like pork. I remember going to Greece and seeing the village chickens running around, dirty chickens, spit on the floor, start licking. I mean, I, I, I think we're that is even damaging to us. All the diseases, all that stuff. I, I think, um. If they weren't here, this it, it, 
It'd be a night and day difference, man. It would be uh, uh, humans are good people, man. You know what I mean? When you meet anybody, I mean, I, I believe anybody that was I, really never any they would murder. All my life, I've been around and hung out with a lot of people. Man. There wasn't one person I could go, man, that guy he became a murderer. Nobody's really bad, you know what I mean? And especially if we, we grew up knowing that we're more special and our, however it is, not religion, not none of that, but our creator, you know, the, the, the universe. Um, there, you know, you got to be good, your soul, because maybe this is a testing ground. When when I when we die here, maybe they pick the souls that did better here, not the reincarnation and stuff, because and come back, because that's just their lies, like whatever it is, because nobody really knows, you know, we didn't create, but what they told us, man, even as a kid, I, I was in sixth grade in bed, angry, scared, big bang, like something could hit this planet, we're gone, or the big bang created everything to, to get you away from knowing about a creator, a real creator. I mean, that, that's just it's. Insane. And then the Federal Reserve, and people still at this day and age don't know it. It's not a thing that is from the government. These families went and did it on their own. And you know what they created? The income tax every year. There was no such thing before that. And yeah. it became a debt society, debt slaves, because you're yeah. always in debt. Yeah. And I don't know, the guy Jesus, people talk about it, but I know one thing that freaked me out that he liked hanging out with poor people and he hated the banks. And I remember back when I was a kid, I go, there were banks back when Jesus was around? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah. I went to Greek school and they said in Greek school, I didn't believe it. The teacher, I go back here. They said Jesus hated banks. They weren't banks. I go, he's lying. I, go, I, <laughs> bank, I was thinking banks. Yeah, the money, yeah, the money, you know. But they said banks. This guy said it. And everything else I learned after that, that guy was off for good for people, man. He was like a John Lennon. And oh, hey, the fourth verse on the you know, piece of chance, I didn't want to do it because John Lennon was just thinking, uh, the people in the room, you know, when they did it. And John, you know, on that first, fourth verse. So I didn't know what to do, but on the way to the studio, I go, uh, I'm going to name all the wars America was in on, on the fourth verse. And I never practiced it. I just went in the studio, wrote down the list of the wars, and listened to the fourth verse. I don't know how it came out. Like, I wrote a, a whole verse for it, the lyrics. Then it starts, <laughs> revolutionary, 1812, Indian, Mexican, yeah, Spanish, yeah. one, two. And then I go, one, two, and three. And I go, never three, you know, about three world wars. Because if you see the plans for that, from the, from, uh, not, uh, the, I forgot uh, where you go, just go plans, right from the beginning, it says there will be three world wars. I mean, and the first one happened, the second one happened, and they all happened, lies, you know, Hitler, did, they used him as a pawn too, man. They, 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 and it's just, or any, any group, let's say me and you had a group that are helping the whole society, getting kids off the street, blah, 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 this. You know what? The CIA, FBI come in, another one, another one, they infiltrate it and they destroy it with them. Yeah. You know? So, and it's, it's never, and for some reason, you know, I'm going, for some reason, I feel like you kind of know this is what it is. Mm. Or, or at least you do a couple of things with it. You, you give me the vibe because I, I would never talk about this, man, because I'm not going to convince him. But if somebody wants to know, and, and, and I kind of had a, a wish. I counted up to eight times with friends of mine when I was really into writing the words. And just like we're doing right here, but it, for some reason it happened in cars and twice at a friend's house. It was nine people, different times throughout the year, where I ended up talking for three hours. Like now I'm getting cotton mouth. And though all, all nine of those guys now are even more awake and they wanted to hear all this. Mm. And I'll never run out of telling you stuff, man. Because right now my problem is, Man, how do I tell this guy because he wants to, to set him on the right path quickly to discover his own? Like, yeah. And if you show me a little, you don't know, Bohemian Grove, do you know what that is? I do. I do. All right. All right. So, how, how do you, 
tell somebody, well, once a year, all the elite men meet in the woods in San Francisco. Uh, they wear black gowns like they're devils. And on stage, an effigy of uh, Horus. Horus is the devil in, in the Egyptian times. And the first act is cremation of care. What is that? Well, we're the 1% and we care for the world. We got to take care of the idiot 99%. We're, we're, it's on our shoulders, the rest. And they're all sitting there in, a, in the middle of the woods with fucking black gowns. And, and they do a fake uh, ritual of uh, an execution. And they say it's fake. Yeah, you think it's fake? Well, that's so secret. You think they're going to bring a fake down? They murder a human in there. And then I go, I told somebody, all right, so those are the people that run the world, dude. All right, why couldn't we find out? Well, the people that run the world once a year, they meet out in this cool little area called La La Land, and they all wear these cool white shirts. And, you know, so, you know, just fun stuff. You know, uh, <laughs> nothing black and evil looking at night. At night. And their first get-together of the two-week stay is uh, they talk about how, you know, to help humans get rid of diseases, blah, 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 this. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool to learn something like that, right? You'll never, look what these evil masters do, man. Yeah, exactly. And now exactly. they want the reset when we need the reset from them. And <laughs> yeah. See, that's why I write everything. All politicians are parasites. Don't ever. When, if, if I see somebody waiting in line to vote, let's say if, um, I'm going to sleep in my bed and somehow I wake up and I go, what line is this? And they go, oh, it's a, uh, the presidential election. I said, I'd run out of that line. I'd be embarrassed. It'd be me waiting in line to fuck it. Something they'd be discussing I would never want to do, you know? Like, I was going to talk about, you know, I like women, you know what I mean? Whatever. It'd be waiting in line to meet a guy. It's, they'd be, it would, just, I mean, they, they, I wouldn't do that for a million years. Money doesn't mean nothing. So that's how bad that is. That in line, they think I'm going to fall for them to go and vote with them. I mean, don't even, man, it's crazy. See, right now, like, I could keep, I, I'm thinking, man, like, stuff, stuff, but you know what Barney Miller is? It was a half hour uh, comedy in the 70s. I've heard it of it. Like yeah. yeah, like, it was like smarter than Laverne and Shirley in Happy Days or, um, yeah. or like uh, those, but it was more like all in the family, more witty, you know? Mm -hmm. It was the detectives in New York City, the dark. One minute, man. Just look up on Google, uh, at YouTube. The most the truth, the most truth that came out ever on television in five minutes. This one detective comes in the department. He goes, "Oh, where are you?" Oh, he goes, "Downtown." There's a, a bunch of protests against. Well, why? Who's here? He goes, "Well, the, uh, the, the lateral community." He named the right people, all the right places, the groups, and everything. And what's their purpose? Well, they want to get together and blah blah blah, 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 take over the world and blah, blah, blah. whatever. So I'm just going blah blah blah. They have five minutes, and it's a comedy. I said, that's, you know, that's exactly what they're doing, man. Mm -hmm. Trilateral commission. Uh, you know, OSI was a CIA. You know, and it's all like, um, and for years you'd hear like uh, the older generation, especially the Europeans, the CIA, those guys, man, they, they come into the countries and they, they put down a fake up puppet regime that they control and they, like they get rid of leaders that are actually doing good to, for their country and their people. And, and they do it secretly, you know, secret wars, secret takeovers, all this bullshit. Like, why would we need that stuff, man? Or yeah. we're pushing always the negative, you know, like yeah. glorifying yeah. serial killers. Mm. As I look over right there, and I got a uh, uh, Zodiac Killer T-shirt. <laughs> my friend's band, Macabre, they only yeah. sing about serial killers. Uh -huh. And they've been doing this since 1985, and they haven't run out. They got a double album that came out a few years ago called Dahmer. <laughs> a double album about just about Jeffrey Dahmer. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and they one of the it's a three piece band, you know. 
and they were when Gacy was out, they got Gacy's artwork, and uh, that guy knows him well. He goes, man, Gacy was making money for. Him. He was getting the guys in prison to draw the, a lot of the artwork for because there was so much volume they would get, and he would just sign his name on it. Mm. I go, look, I go, we live in a world where they made that fucking fit child molesting piece of shit famous like he's a, like like he, who would want his autograph if i met my want to like smash his face for killing poor humans man yeah or Dahmer, yeah. you know that's pushing the darkness you know because you know here's a good one man the positive and that being good do good be good right be a good mm-hmm. person how about when you when we were little i don't know when you were t- too young to be in the show i remember science class they play some videos like all those old movies and they play the darker tones of music the more uh, evil and, and make ugly shapes mm. and they play the more thing and make beautiful shapes, you know, like whatever it was rocks or whatever, you know, it was black and white. Remember? They, you know, when they showed movies, they you know, t- totally stopped that uh, teaching us more about that. But why is it energy vibrations, everything like vibration is a big thing. So bad vibration, you get the bad, bad, bad karma, all that. It's all real. And they make it seem like it's, those are fairy tales and it's big bang. We blow up. There's no nothing. That's it. It's over. Why you know? Why would we be here? And we evolved from animals, monkeys, and monkeys are still around. Yeah. What? Wouldn't they be gone? You think so? All right. Yeah. <laughs> see, yeah. see what I mean? So now, all right. I'll leave it at this, man. So all those hours before, they were questioning me. You know what, what's going on? Now I know, man. I know who the enemy is. I know the enemy. And just wait until you hear. No time to waste because it's a trilogy that's ending. Because. No time to waste. It's urgent now, man. Right now, I mean, it's as urgent. Like, you want to be living in smart cities where electric cars, like when California goes the other day, yeah, by 2024, there won't be any more gas cars, right? And then literally the next day, the next day, you know what this is? The next day, yeah, uh, electricity won't be able to charge cars much. Uh, and the way you charge it, you got to charge it for a week, for a week long to take a short trip. So the day before, they tell you the thing that works and we can go as far as we want. You're going to stop it. But then the next thing you say, the electronic car is going to be limited use and the, the batteries don't charge that much. Right there. What do you do, man? If you don't understand like me, what's going on? You can end up going crazy. What are they? Every day they say something different. I mean, tomatoes, are, 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 I'm drinking seven cups of coffee today. And the next day they say, no, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel yeah. bad for them. Always See? contradiction. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because again, I, we talk about it on the last time, why they did that. Because that causes everything. Put it this way. If I was the enemy and I wanted to do it, Every, you hit them a million ways, like a million ways, man. And there's people that are, I had a friend, man, that was in the army and stuff. And he was questioning stuff. And I didn't believe it, man. And uh, Steve Wilson's his name. I know it, go on Facebook. And he said they were chipping him. And I didn't, I go, man, come on, chip. man. He did it live on Facebook and his tooth with the blood one. And plus he bawled and he had a white shirt on the blood. It was just, forget. and he took out, and it was a fucking chip in his fucking tooth. Jeez, well, somewhere in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Targeted individuals. You yeah. know what that does? Because that guy was speaking too much truth. So it won't, it, it, you might not notice it. He knew what was up. So he goes, I'm getting this. Uh, if you don't know about it, you'll start hearing stuff in your head. Mm. I think I'm going crazy. Yeah. And that's not like my voice. You know, real subtle things. Or like they didn't even have people come in. And I mean, I could have sworn, man, every day when I leave the house, uh, the refrigerator door, I closed it or something like that, right? And today was open again. Nobody, and they bombard you with that many things. You don't even know you have an enemy, man. Mm. That's what the chip targets are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, you know, or when you see like these people about transhumanism, 
Like, so you see girls now splitting their tongs, the guys putting bolts in their heads, tattooing their faces. You know, I, and one girl goes, it's a trend now. I don't know, over over there. Yeah, I, we want to get rid of limbs and put like bionic limbs. And, you know, these are healthy people say they want to take out their limbs and get all the time. When they right there, you got to go, you fucking dumbass bitch. The, the human bodies, the way it's created by whoever created it, is perfection. All the machines. So you want to downgrade. You want to make yourself ugly and you want to use parts that are going to break down. That's where we go. Or, or, or somebody, you know, the whole like, I'm a they, I'm an it. And they mm. want to tell people what they are. You know, it's like one day, four, four regular guys that are working, they got they had common sense. Well, yeah, I work with this girl, but she's not a girl anymore. We've got it. She's a they now. See, I can't play with I can't play with people like that, man. I, I, you want me to fucking say my brain is stupid, and you're right now, and I got you're a they. You're not a man. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. And when can we? Uh, when can we expect to get the album? When will it be released? January, I think. You know, and uh, we got here's, here's the answer. I think it's a Jan, and uh, it's positive too. See, the last time was it felt. The negativity, you know, the and we and we combine on the third album, we combine the, the crossover. That's why there's fast songs that sound punker and our progressive stuff, you know, progressive thrash. Uh, there's something wrong. Here. And this one, we got a song called "We We Can Do This Together." That that is um positive. Like it goes, lie, cheat, steal, kidnap, kill. Six feet straw man. This house of cards, it's gonna blow away, you know. Or this castle in the sand. One time, it's gonna blow away. Uh, it's basically saying us 99%, all of us, man, we're brothers. We're all human beings the same way. The, the color's nothing, man. I can see if you, uh, the Scottish or the otherwise, are like, they got this extra limb and there's something. We're all exactly the same fucking thing. And they're controlling us, this little tiny group. And they've been doing it forever. Every, I mean, and, and they took it. We were the awakening. I used to write it when we got back to the, the Great Awakening. That's why they created Woke. So now people... Like the other day, see, people don't argue with me, man. There's this guy, the other guy goes, what did you say? Awakening. Yeah, what are you, woke or something? And then I explain to him right away. But I explain it. Like, I don't get conversation, man, because I never get anybody going, oh, that's crazy. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm, I'm a little bit aggressive. And plus, if you start coming at me, I, I get angry easily with that shit, you know? And I'm not, you know, I, I mean, I, might, I, I won't deal with uh, stupidity in my face. Like, I, even if I notice somebody that... I can't explain it, man, because I'll bitch slap somebody for that. Like, if I'm yeah. talking to somebody, I can tell they're daydreaming and they're not paying attention and they answer me for that. I've done it as an example. Just, hey, man, you're wasting my time. Wake up, man. And I'm not going to punch somebody and start a fight. I'm not a violent guy. But a bitch slap is to wake them up like your dad when you're a kid. You know? And here's uh, here's an ad for this decibel man. Oh, man. That's pretty cool. You So you know what it is, right? right? It's, it's yeah. A, See the crack and everything, the crack, but the eye, the upside down city, because it's inverted. There's a song on the album called Up is Down. It starts out sticks and stones break bones. You're to- it's all positive. It's sauce to invert it back to what it should be. And, it's, and, and like the song Riot says, we don't need a riot. Man, you don't need to get out on the streets. That's what they want. That's what they need, the 1%. They want us being on the street, making it seem, look, they're, they're attacking us. That's why we'll, we'll spray them down with our chemicals. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, and it, it needs to happen, you know what I mean? But then again, see, sometimes I think it's created this way so we could get to the next level. Because if everything was good, how do you pick what's bad? Because uh? duality is everything, man. Like, like everything's twos, up, down, you know what I mean? So I don't know why people like me, 
can't be deceived with stuff. I wish everybody was like that, but then again, maybe it's not meant to be that way. Yeah, maybe not. You, it's hard to know, like you know, it's hard to. Well, know. with you, I think I think you're on a low low because everything we brought up. Oh, another song. Uh, there's a song called "Pseudoside," and there is something wrong. Pseudoside. I know it's kind of a made. Uh, it's, it's a real word. Oh, and uh, I named literally again thirty conspiracies. Like name them. They're their names. You know, like Project Bluebeam. Uh, 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 the the water, even the um, fluoride and water. But I named the real name like Tuskegee Civil Study. They rhyme perfectly. Actually, I got it to thirty-three. And all those thirty-three. You know what I say at the end of the course? These are thirty-three conspiracies that any time before they would go, "You're crazy." That never happened. That never happened. Or like MK Ultra, where they were like with the students, you know what I mean? But they yeah. were trying to fucking figure out ways to manipulate you, right? You know, all that. I mean, all stuff they never, you'd be, you're a conspiracy. There was no such thing. I don't know where all those 33 are known now. Yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the chemtrails was the last one. Never. No, there's, a, there's no such thing as those are chemtrails. They're not chemtrails. There's no such thing as a chemtrail. Don't you know people argue? Not with me, you know, just seeing it here. Now, you know, if you Google it, you know what I'll say? Yeah, two years ago, uh, uh, Harvard University uh, started developing it because uh, the sun is getting too hot for the planet, so they're, they're they're blocking the sun from us. That okay? So forever was never real, but now it's real because the sun that we need most, the vitamin B, if we don't get that, we die. They're blocking it from us. Yeah, yeah that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Just like the moon, you lost the equipment. <laughs> and so, see, I want to just grab one of those guys and go. Who do you think you're talking? Well, yeah, the sheep. Like. How do you, man, with people, you wouldn't even, your plan would end today. I wouldn't know who's doing it. it you're too obvious. Back then, when I was a little kid, because there was nobody around, there was nobody, there was, I didn't even know what a conspiracy theorist was, ever. It's just, I'd hear these things, just as I look at my own, I go, that just doesn't make sense, man. The Big Bang, I remember, I go, that just doesn't make sense. And then, out of nowhere, the shape of the earth, man. When you hear, <laughs> you don't want to be a flat earther, because that sounds crazy, right? But then. Neil deGrasse Tyson goes on uh, on uh, some show. You know, he's a big famous uh, science. You know, science. Yeah. I don't know where. Two years ago, because they started. You know, well, no, it's not fun, but it's not really wrong either. And then, uh, I don't know if it was Oprah or whatever, or Doctor Phil. Well, what shape? Is it? What do you mean it's not wrong? Well, the Earth is really a pear shape. It's real thin. <laughs> I remember this kid Orlando with me. They didn't believe. He goes, bro, I heard what Tyson said. He goes, you might be right saying all this stuff. I go, yeah, yeah I might be right, right? Yeah. I go, because forever the ball, the earth was a big round ball, right? And now, like I say, that's, that's new. This is a pear shape now. Imagine the pear shaped on it. That's <laughs> a bit. Well, well, you made it round? <laughs> or or hearing on Oprah's show, that's what I said, like 30 in the 70s. I remember this stuck in my head. There was this lady that goes, yeah, I helped draw the maps and everything. And now they show the guy on YouTube. That, and then the guy on YouTube goes, yeah, well, I draw the maps. You know, some years I put a little, you know, shrunk. Some years I put a little more cloud here, you know. And I mean, but she, I remember she said, you know, all the lower ca- countries that they don't like, they make it, they make the countries they want bigger. They'll look bigger to people. I remember they said that back then. And I don't know who that lady was back then. Because back then, I'd like to go back and go, man, that lady, little stuff like that stick in my mind. I go, why would they do that, man? It's not right. Yeah. There's actually a website out there that you can, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it shows you the real size of countries. You know, like you could put in, say, Africa versus England, and it shows you exactly the real size. And it just goes to show that the maps are total bullshit. Are lies. 
Yeah. I both, and, and that lady, I know Oprah. I know it was on Oprah. It was in the eighties, probably uh, mid eighties. I remember she said, first of all, look at any globe map. She said, and I, I never did it, but she, you'll see it says in the tiny letters, uh, actual size is you know the, the little legal thing. She goes, it says it. So who would read that? In t- first of all, the letters are tiny, and it said the legal, the the legal bullshit. All the legal shit is all like because the the uh, simplicity is the key. You know what I mean? Because because uh, legal reason, all that the confusion is just like they're doing now in the media. That's that's what uh, like bands getting contracts and they go, what the fuck are they talking about, man? And I remember Interscope came out in the night. We're gonna make a one page contract because that's all you really need, you know, or two page. <laughs> when the contract we got contract back in the day, man, they were fucking thirty pages over. I mean, what are they saying in this thing? Because they they didn't want us to know stuff, you know. So they write stuff. It's just part of the same thing, but it all the same plan, you know. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Problem, reaction, solution, man. They create the problems. They have the solutions already. You know, that's yeah. how it is. That's how now they're doing it with the racism. They're dividing everybody. Like, look at the COVID. First of all, the COVID thing. How about this for COVID? Just shoot things for anybody's listening out there. Just, all right. November of 2019, uh, agenda, uh, and, um, some class tool. Uh, tool right. It's all over YouTube. Uh, they're, they're like, four, they were in South America. They had a meeting, you know, a big meeting. Event 201. Just look it up. I was watching it. They were literally sitting there in big meetings going, you know, you never know. You know, there might be a big virus coming. We're going to need masks. We're going to have to lock down. Words I never heard lockdown before. We're going to do it. Four months later, it happened just like they said it. The only thing they made different on them, they go, we don't know. They'll probably start in South America, you know. We'll spread. I mean, literally, exactly. Uh, I don't know where one day COVID starts, right? Every country from Greece, Greece, Italy. Everybody's got the same thing. Six, what they knew. When did they get together to plan to all have it all coordinated? Six feet signs everywhere, uh, masks everywhere. Th- that's got to tip you off. It's a scare. It's, it's a pandemic. So everybody's got the same. All all I like. But the year that happened, there was no colds reported. Literally, <laughs> so the cold yeah. took a break. Or people walking <laughs> into restaurants with a fucking mask on, and they sit down to eat, and they don't wear a mask. I mean, people in the cars with masks. I mean. And I swear to you, bro, I, I swear in my life, I never wore a mask. I worked, I didn't work once. I had to go get my driver's license at the airport, no, my idea at the airport. And they came up to me and they go, you got to wear a mask, come in. And the most I could do, I couldn't put it on. And I, how I had the glasses, I just put it like here and I just hung it like this. I'm saying, no, like that. <laughs> and they didn't come back again. And the DMV, they came up with the DMV, they had us separated and they came up to me with security. This is for a driver's license, right? You need a mask, but you got to get out of line. I go, I'm not wearing a mask. You need a mask. And we argue for it. I go, I'm not wearing a mask. No one's going to drag me out. I go, I'm not wearing it. And then she goes, but I needed my driver because if I left there, I, I wouldn't be able to drive. So I just mm. went like this. All right, I got it. I did it like this. You know, it was a tighter shirt, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. They, they let me do it like that. But it, was, it wasn't a mask. I mean, so both times, the hanging, that's the only two times I had to deal with it, you know? It was just hard, man. It was hard seeing the world get stupefied like that, man. Oh, like, I know. I know. It's like 99% of people just don't see it at all. You know, they're just blinded by what they're told. But it's so insane, the restaurant walking in, man. So when you're sitting down eating the food, it's not going to come up to you? Or when they know there's a deadline, when the government, when they tell you, starting Tuesday the 25th, it's all like that. That's when the, so there's this deadly disease coming, but we're going to start locking down on that day. So what's the disease doing right now? Taking a break? <laughs> I mean, it, it, see, when people hear that, me, you can't be in a room with me when I hear that. I, I, right away, that doesn't make sense, man. And I remember one guy that back then we used to hang out. There was a, a, a this guy, a friend, we still know him. I don't want to say his name. 
Lewis or whatever, Lewis. And, and he, he was so dumb about everything. Like, literally, he thought he was, a, like, to the point, the guy thought he went to a DRI concert once. He calls me about an over. DRI is in town. You know who DRI, DRI is, right? Mm. 30 rotten emissoles in Argo. He goes, Chuck, man, DRI is in your town. I go, DRI is not in town. We would have known about it, man. And then he goes to the call, pays in. He said, Yeah, man, I got here. It's not a problem again. But I go, Who? It's not DRI, dude. And then another call later. Goes, there's a lot of girls coming to the show, man. The third call, I don't think this DRI, man, because nobody looks punk rock or hardcore. <laughs> and nobody has any punk rock shirts. And I go, Dude, you called me three times. I keep telling you, it's not DRI. And then I finally had to look it up. I got to read it. I knew they weren't in town because. Come on, man. They were quite, uh, back then, I wouldn't know that. It'd be, it'd be like being a father and not knowing where my kids are that night. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I knew every show. I knew. I didn't have to look. They didn't have. But the third time, I had to go look at it. You know what it was? It, it was a band called Dry. No, <laughs> at, at the Empty Bottle, which was a small place, alternative place. And he wouldn't listen to me. I mean, three, I mean, literally, and I dubbed him and he uses that. I go, you're the minister of misinformation, man. Everything is <laughs> wrong. And then I remember one guy that we said, hang out with him, man. He goes, man, it's just Lewis, man. Lewis, why do you get worked up over Lewis? I go, because I have a feeling. I swore to you, I said, I have a feeling everybody's going to become a Lewis. And that's what happened. That's, that's, a, Lewis would believe, that guy, I, I said, Lewis, blah, blah, blah. You know, because I don't want to say anybody, because I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feet. But to me, it took him, I could have been mean with the beginning. I checked. I placated him three times. I knew it wasn't them, and I took his calls. And it was over and over stuff like that. Where, dude, what I told you, man, was the thing. Why do you? I mean, and that's why. I, that's why he acknowledged the name now. He goes, "Yeah, you're right again, man." But at least he did that. Then I would hate him if he didn't acknowledge it. Then I wouldn't even be friends with him because I felt he had a good heart, but he was just dumb. Yeah, yeah, I got you. So to give the listeners a sense of, you know, your your background with music, if you can, can you remember your very first musical memory? No, that's interesting because I didn't have any older siblings. That is a lot of people seem to, you know, nowadays after you see so many interviews, through like a majority of them is through our older brother and sister. You know, they, True. they had cool music right, right here from my bedroom. I'd hear cool sounds. And then when they were out, I said, I mean, you hear this story almost all the time. Like it's almost like the way it goes. See, I didn't have any of that. It was I'm the older one. And I got a younger brother, and um, no older. Plus, since we, I was born in Greece in '66, and then we, I came here when I was one year old. So, I, at that age, when I got uh, first got into music, I think it must have been like um, it wasn't anybody on the street because I lived in a neighborhood where it was infestuated with disco. It was all, I mean, it literally was. Um, to the point where I didn't think right when I moved to my other neighborhood, which, which was like heaven to me, in eighth grade, I go, oh my god, rock! There's kids that like rock and roll and hard <laughs> rock, and in my neighborhood, it was all like that disco era, you know. And the band that I loved during that period, which was like like uh, grammar school and uh, probably uh, wait, six, yeah, grammar school to middle school was uh, Kiss. So I, I was probably going to my. Uh, I had some older cousins, uh, but they we, they didn't influence it. They never talked to us, you know. But my parents would go visit the house a lot. So bringing us as little kids, what were we supposed to do? So we were just walking around, you know, kids at a house when adults are meeting. It was really boring. But thank God they had a, a large vinyl collection. So I just remember flipping through their vinyl as a little kid, not knowing anything. And then out of thousands of vinyl, they had one Kiss album. And I think it must have been 
album cover, you know, Destroyer or something like that. We see you go, wow, what the hell is that? And that's the only first time. And then I don't remember anybody ever playing them for me or nothing. Next thing you know, I, I became a fan, you know, and um, I, and I got the album. Uh, Rock and Roll Over was the first record that I got that I requested or got on my own. Yeah. Not on my own because, I, you know, I was preteen, so I couldn't pay for it. <laughs> and uh, I loved it. And then uh, I remember making a pretend band in, the, in my old neighborhood trying to be like a kiss where we call ourselves blackjack and we try to put like a dice <laughs> as makeup. Yeah. Little did I know there was a blackjack. Uh, what's it now? Michael uh, Bolton, Michael Bolton, the uh, big solo singer. That was his band of a hard rock band. And uh, one of the Kulik guys was in it, uh, Bob Kulik or whatever. So they were actually on major label, but you know, we were, we had no idea. Yeah. So, uh, so then um, next thing, you know, uh, uh, when we move into this neighborhood and everybody's into rock, you know, and everything, I remember seeing a photo of Van Halen in a magazine, some black and white thing, upcoming bands. And I remember not, uh, asking about it, asking kids that knew about rock that were older. What do you know about Van Halen? And nobody knew anything yet, except one kid told me, this kid Sam goes, uh, I, I think there's two brothers in that band or something. But then I heard, uh, you really got me on the radio, like a snippet. And again, you couldn't find any info. Like, just like I was asking people on the street, who are these guys? I was calling up uh, places that asking about who sings that song, but I couldn't remember uh, exactly how you really got me when. So I was going, uh, like, don't bring me down from the yellow. I don't know why it confused them. I was like, don't bring me down. You know, like more like a rhythm like that. Yeah. Nobody got it except one last guy at the store called Flipside. Because when I go, no, no, that's not it. Because he played it over the phone. I, I knew that was cool that I think about it now. It was this one. I go, no, 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 that's not it. And then he thought for me, he goes, you don't think it might be this one that he played? I guess maybe I don't know how he synced with my brain thing. They're not, they're not the same. They don't sound the same. Yeah. And then it was dad. And then he told me it's Van Halen. But when I got there, uh, 1980, I got the Woman and Children first, and then I got the first two because that was the newest one. So I bought the newest one. But that Woman and Children first album blew my mind. Like for one year, me and my brother would come home from lunch and listen to it every day for the whole year. Uh, like it was like, let's go listen to Van Halen lunch and go back to school. And then, uh, that, that, see, but as a person, it, it frustrates me that I don't have a specific memory where some nobody said, that, well, I definitely know that there was nobody telling me, hey, check this out, you know, but I don't, it's weird to me how I gravitated toward those bands, especially in a whole disco neighborhood where nobody was talking about rock at all. Yeah, and, how you found us, like. Yeah, it was weird. And, um, and then, uh well, and then after that, it, it just progressed, you know, from uh, Iron Maiden was a big one, you know, because when Iron Maiden came out, like, uh, the, especially here in Chicago, they played, a, uh, they played a show. I couldn't go. I was too, uh, Chicago Fest, it was called, like, I think in 1970, 1980, like, and they talk about it this day. They had four encores and I was, it was a big city thing, you know, an organized city, like a, like a yeah. city festival. And I, later on, it became like the Taste of Chicago, you know. It of course, was called Chicago Fest, and uh, and Iron Maiden, uh, for some reason, brought because Kiss and Van Halen were larger than life. You know, I wasn't like sitting there. You know, yeah, I wanted to be a guitar player when I uh, started when in the Kiss years. I, I loved Ace Frehley, you know, but uh, especially when Van Halen came out, like they seemed like larger than life. You know, like real rock gods. Like it seemed like Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, probably. You know, like. Or Mick Jagger. They didn't seem like, but then Maiden started seeming more normal. And then that made me want to start playing, you know, like, uh, I go, wow, you know. Yeah, yeah. And how, you know, I always ask growing up, 
you're exposed to music from your peers usually you know your teenage years when you start meeting like-minded people how do you think the music you're exposed to during your teenage years have molded you into the musician you are today see when i moved into the new neighborhood after we left the area where there's no rock at all i started seeing uh, kids all uh where uh, wearing like a you know when you got a break what is called recess mm. and all the kids were playing i seen uh, i remember a ufo hat which was wow i go ufo you know because I didn't even know what they sounded like, but I know it was a band, you know, the logo. Yeah, I mean, because everybody's wearing some kind of band stuff. First kid I met, uh, actually, in that new school goes, hey, oh, I wore a Disco Sucks shirt to that school. It was uh, <laughs> it was like a green big monster giving the middle finger and said, Disco Sucks, you know. And, I, and he, this kid comes up to me, he goes, you hate Disco? I hate Disco, too. He goes, look, I can spell kiss in my veins. And somehow he did <laughs> K-I and a SS on the other hand. And uh, he actually influenced me too because him and some other guys formed a band and uh that made me want to uh, take music more uh, into the not just being a fan you know want to participate in it you know and uh besides seeing that there's a whole world of rock fans after that i was so into music that um i started slowly like because i was inquisitive just calling record stores to find out what song it is and stuff like that. i mean i didn't really i took it to the extent of calling California, and then back, you had to sneak calls then, you know, because those were long distance calls. And you waited, if the bill came home, you'd get in trouble, you know, what the hell is California? Who called it? Like to find out when albums were coming out. I I, I um, actually uh, started becoming more, see, I hate to use the word like tastemakers or stuff like that. Like I became kind of like the guy that uh, early on, even in those years, like besides the initial first year of like finding out there's more of me out there. You, Listen, I realize that most people don't know, like, really what, uh, anything about the bands, you know what I mean? And I yeah. just want to know everything. So I just started, I just went crazy, man. From then, from then on, that early, I, uh, was the one that was, it was, it was like important to me to turn on everybody into what I was listening to, you know? And I, I literally did. It's like band after band that I think back at one time, a friend of mine said it, we, uh, we ran into some guy that we hadn't seen in a long time. He goes, man, you got me into faith. I, I think it was faith. No more. He said, or something like that. It was, that was great wave. And I was doing it all along. And then he reminded me and we had a one conversation. And I, you know, one night when you're drinking with some friends and you're talking back and it hit me that I go, man, I'm glad I did. I didn't think anybody would remember till that, until then he, he made it clear that the music I was pushing Actually, people years later still remember that. I thought I never thought they would. You know, I never even yeah. gave it a thought. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, plus, I started working uh, later on at a record distributor, uh, a one stop, which it was in, at a one stop. You could call if you're a record store and get everything. It doesn't matter. Uh, Warner Brothers, Caroline Records, Metal Blade, uh, Megaforce, Warner, all at one stop instead of calling all the distributors individually. So a lot of little indie stores used it. So basically, everything came out there. So for me, imagine every Friday before before they had the, well, we'd get them on. Uh, yeah, we had an advanced copies because everybody was giving promos there. But every Friday when we filled out orders and everything new, imagine somebody like me, a whole <laughs> entire warehouse of just everything that comes out that week. I was in heaven when I got that job, and that's um, you know a lot of the collection and stuff like that. And uh, I, I actually, as a matter of fact, wanted to get every important album that mattered in the world, like from Can and Faust, Kraut Rock, like to uh, Noise, Einsters of the Neubauten, or um, just every genre. 
besides frivolous pop, like I, I never was into like the radio rock or active rock, you know, just generic made for radio songs. But anything that had importance from the Velvet Underground to uh, to any scene that mattered to find out what, what, where it came from, what's important about it, and, you know, what, what in the history of music, how it shapes things, you know, and changed mm-hmm. things. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like, you know, from an early age, then music was like nearly your whole life, not just a massive part of your life, no, but music like, was your life. It was insane, man. It was crazy. Like, I had to read every, like, when I have subscriptions, the magazine, like, down below there, like, there's a stack right here, all magazines, I, I'm not going to, but, I, well, you can't see it, but down below there, there's all magazines, and I had subscriptions to everything, right? I, not only did I have to get it, I had to read it from cover to cover. If I didn't read the whole thing, I felt like I didn't, I, you know, when you put something away, and you, you, it nags in your mind. Yeah. Man, I got it. <laughs> and uh, it was it was a lot of work, but or man, it was to the extent that nothing else mattered. But the funny thing is, I loved the music. As soon as I became in a band, I loved that side as much as the not so much the business. It, I didn't really care about the record company business. Even though I want to know about it, like I want to know uh, when you open up the record, who produced it, where it was recorded, and all this, it was telling people what to like. Maybe like a, actually at one point, I, I used to call uh, uh, we uh, w, Warner Electro Atlantic to ask about uh, stuff that's coming up. I called so much that one time I remember I don't know when I got to uh, when uh, the secretary was talking, she realized I was must have been asking questions where uh, this guy Denny Nowak, which was a big Midwestern guy for Electro Records, like. Uh, he had dealings with Metallica and all that. And uh, they wanted me to, uh, he called me up to the office and I was just wanting to promote my band at the time, you know? And they wanted me to come in to get a job there to go to become an A&R guy. Oh, man. <laughs> and I overheard him. I actually overheard him saying that in the office when I was waiting for him. He was like, this kid that's coming in next, man. Man, he'll make a great A&R guy. We'll keep me in the Midwest a little bit. Because Tom Zazant that signed Guns N' Roses came from the same office. Worked at the same warehouse as a warehouse guy, and then right away he went to uh, became an air because I didn't realize they noticed by that stuff. That's how they were hired. But that, believe it or not, when he told me that, I, just, I got depressed. I go, oh, man, he doesn't care about the band. I I, I, I thought so he called me in. I thought maybe he talked about the band, but he, they wanted me to become an A and R guy. <laughs> when as I told that to people, you know, even two years after that, everyone goes, man, you should have done it. What do you got in your mind? Because back then A and R guys, well, you know had the money to fly around everywhere you know when they went like i'm gonna go check out this band in seattle you know big budgets they take out the you know what i mean they, they get, it was like the dream job yeah. yeah they were throwing away money man and uh believe me i know myself tom's is on whatever his taste was i would have beat him to every band that was important i would have been flying around the same thing from electra i would have been like uh so that's what i love doing without even thinking ever about being an our guy I was trying to find a bit like I could somehow tell if I read a little snippet and seen a little bit of the cover, I could tell there's enough interest from there, then go on to the music. And then from there, right when I knew the song, I like I I dug the music, then I knew I would be pushing them, you know. But yeah, I didn't uh, you know, again, being a main guy then you're becoming just part of the music business, you know. I just want as much as I love being a taste mirror and turning out people with good music. I still uh, would want to be making my own music too, you know? Yeah, yeah, and you wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, if I never got involved in a band where, which is thrash metal that made me want to play music. If I never got involved in a band, maybe, let's say, thrash never came out and I was a mega fan like I was before, I, you know, that probably, I'd probably go, oh my God, that'd be an amazing job. And I'd probably make a lot of money and 
you know. And you probably would discover Ben, you know, think about it, Ben you discovered and millions like him later. They, you know, the guy from Tom's is on, Guns N' Roses, you know, he's Yeah, Tom. exactly. Yeah, geez. Would have been a whole different life, you know? Yeah, because I'm thinking, I, I found it so disappointing that he, uh, they weren't going to talk to me about that. Only because, and it was only the very beginning. This was like 19, late 84, 85. So I was, it was like, uh, my band, you know, came out, well, after it came out in 85, we formed in 85, but I first still, but it was uh, already enough for me. And I knew the thrash world at that time. I, there was no uh, thinking of we're going to be rock stars. There was no Metallica. It's the first time I remember on that tour around that time, they lost, they got their equipment stolen on the East Coast and through fanzines, you know, paper fanzines, they go, help Metallica get new equipment, blah, blah, you know. <laughs> Major yeah. Metallica needs money to get equipment. <laughs> you're not going, yeah, this man I got after me, fuck that, I'm going to be a rock star. No, I just, I, I I was going even, I was thinking, fuck you, major labels, man. And I don't, we, I just want to be an underground band. I Because there's no thought, trust me, anybody back then would tell you, uh, Thrash would become big and uh, Metallica would be the biggest band in the world. You bet a, a zillion dollars, it would never happen. So there was no, uh, pre, like, I'm not getting into it to be glorified and have a group, please, and be a rock star, you know? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. And you mentioned the band started in 85. You started it with your schoolmate, Steve Sacco. What was it like, you know, trying to put a band together in those days? Well, it was only because we're right away entering a brand new genre. It's its infant stage because Steve, like he was, Steve, like, um, was it so much of a musician that he actually gave lessons at that age? At a professional store called Tunes and Taps, where you'd have to pay whatever, you know, by the hour, you know, whatever it was, just like like anyone in Chicago. Like he was, a, and a lot of local guys learn guitar from him now, you know, that would want And not only that, he was in a, a wedding band called Weekend, not like the Weekend, Weekend, and they were booked years in advance. And uh, it was a three piece, and they had a, it, this wedding band had to learn the current hits. Like I remember him every, uh, Monday or whatever, you'd go to the local record store and go on the top 10 of the charts, the uh, billboard charts, and buy the songs he didn't know because they had to know uh, every week they had to know the new top yeah. 10. Yeah. So Jeez. it's like, yeah. That's like, and I remember when he was in high school with us, I didn't know him uh, in high school. I met him in um, the parking lot of junior of uh, junior college, you know, that following year after we were uh, fresh uh, seniors, you know, the following. But in school, he was known. Uh, as uh man, that guy, some yes song, you know, man, this guy Steve Sacco, he could play this yes song. I forgot what the name was. Where all the guitars go, oh my god, they one of those, you know, yes songs that are super hard to play, you know. So when I got when I got all of them in the parking lot of Wright College and everything, where because he was, I we were parking the parking lot first day there, and I go, man, he was from school. That Steve, that guy, I had him in gym too, but we didn't talk. And then uh, he remembered me. He goes, hey, you're the guy that never wears the shirt. The, you know, the gym class, those diamonds, high school, and the shorts. I would wear the shorts, but always on top, I had a rock shirt. I never wore the shirt. And then he remembered <laughs> me from that, you know? Because you never wore the T-shirt. And then uh, my point is, when uh, I was trying to tell him what I want to do, he was really trained, uh, you know? So I was thinking, man, uh, he thought it was noise, probably, you know? Like, so I don't even know how he latched on to it's, uh such as, uh, I think that that was our advantage too. Right away, we had uh, real players, you know, and uh, so right away, somehow he got my excitement. And I sold it to him that 
this is nothing like before. This is the we don't we didn't even know what to call it at first because we got a we had a hardcore punk bass player and Ray, our drummer, our thrash kid. But all around us, it was so brand new that I felt like it was like pioneering. You know, what I mean, I felt like like I could scheme up things. I'll go, hey man, we'll make like because I remember thinking Metallica's Kill 'Em All, Show No Mercy, and the you know the Anthrax one. They're not straight through like Rain and Blood became. You know, like right from the start. <laughs> They all had slow, like jumping, you know, jumping the fire or Slayer, showing them you could tell that they still had the old school metal influences on them. It didn't feel like, but the certain songs like Hit the Lights on Kill Em All and uh, Whiplash, that's not a, something I've never, nobody's ever heard before, you know? Like, yeah. The only thing yeah. close to that that we thought was fast was Accepts Fast as a Shark, you know, the double bass. So uh, with that, Fast as a Shark, hearing that like uh, about a year before, and then, uh, I, I was just like going, man, wouldn't it be great, man? Let's make a whole thing just like hit the light or the, the thrashiest Metallica or whatever. So, and then after that phase, you know, it, it literally became that. Like where Kerrang! Magazine said, too damn fast underneath it. What are these kids thinking these days? <laughs> I mean, it was literally in Kerrang! It's in our press book. And yeah. then the same writer for Kerrang! Two years later, me scheming it. When we were mixing Killing the Future, and we didn't know when we sent it out to the underground, it started like, all over the world, like and I, for years, we got mail, right? That was the beginning of it. But we, we did two demos while we were mixing the first one, Killing the Future, and it was fit. already. I remember in the standing in the studio looking at the picture. What if we combined Pink Floyd with Thrash and made things real, like you know, like animal, you know, sound, you know? And that's what we did for our second demo. But it was, I thought it was a long time apart, but it was only two year different, you know. By then, by 87, it was already time to the Pink Floyd thing, and then we, and we wrote the second demo called Words That I Will Fear. And that second demo, the guy that thought we were too too damn fast, what are these kids thinking? Picked it as uh, one of the test best best demos of the year in '89. Uh, <laughs> isn't it funny? It was like he goes, "Man, these kids, what the music is just getting too fast. That you can't make it out." And then one of the best demos of the year. That's how. Yeah, that's some turnaround. <laughs> so all those things were you couldn't do it other times in music. You didn't. I wouldn't if it was like three years before even or two years. It would it wouldn't have been exciting as it is during the creation of being there to uh, the new foundation or new genre because you're not going to go and join a regular heavy metal when they're all playing go let's do this it, you would just start playing like the other bands like Judas Priest or Iron Maiden but this was exciting and it was so exciting man it was just uh, like kids there was nothing like the thrashing in front of you the mosh pits and stuff you know it was like I could imagine it, it, brand new man because it would see everybody's used to it now so you can't express how exciting it was you know yeah, and we didn't even know what to call ourselves the first two years, you know, during the killing future years. And then we found some old bios that we were calling ourselves thrash core, nothing like the core of now because it was mixing thrash and hardcore, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, that was uh, that was the, he felt the excitement. I think he knew it was like he was smart enough to get that. Uh, it's not just noise, I, I can play real music to this. I know what he's thinking because everybody else, a lot of the hardcore and those bands at the time, they weren't really great players, you know. That's what made the thing cool that you didn't have to be a great player to play it. The Ramones, you know, and stuff like that from punk rock. I was just going to say, like the punk of the seventies, you didn't like you had musicians that didn't even know how to play their instruments. Exactly, and that's what that's the reason it existed actually, mm. because they were sick of like yes, for instance, like you know, the, yes was like back then or kill the big rock set, like Rick Wakeman on stage with all these keyboards and everything <laughs> playing a million things. And these kids were thinking in England at the time, fuck that, that's not rock and roll. What is that? There's <laughs> yeah. nothing rock about that. 
let's just go on stage and bash out three chords and be fast and angry and that full of energy. Yeah. That's yeah. how it became with the, that's what kind of the thrash scene. It was the same thing, you know? But yet Steve was one of those guys that could play all that stuff. But he was there at the beginning playing. That's why our demos right away had, I could imagine anything, and I know they could pull it off, the musicianship. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years. In the 90s, you had quite the experience recording Eyes of Tomorrow. How do you think that has influenced your approach to making albums nowadays? Well, Eyes of Tomorrow was really recorded. Uh, it was. It should have been out by 89. But with, uh, we, we, we were signed to this label called Big Chief, which was supposed to be distributed through Metal Blade Warner Brothers, you know? And uh, actually, we had a demo deal with Warner Brothers Records. And uh, the German office loved it. This lady named Alexander Dory in Germany, the head of German uh, Roadrunner, was so into it. Uh, the New York office and everything. But Case, the main guy, uh, we we made an extra demo for him, you know, just for him. A four song, but it got really. It was when I was really thinking experimentation. So when I said tomorrow, as much as that is considered like a, a technical progressive thrash metal album that you know people use musicianship, this even went more crazier, more experimental, more jet, more like <laughs> like uh, the rhythm, uh, complex rhythm switching out of nowhere. But it was so he probably didn't think it was like uh, catchy. It wasn't. It wasn't meant. It was. It wasn't meant for catching. It was meant for like, wow. You listen to it, you go, wow. These guys know how to fucking play and make trippy yeah. songs. But um, we recorded the album. That label went bankrupt. Big Chief in the middle of the recording. So we had a. We owed. Um, I, mean, I don't remember how much money, but we couldn't get the album back until we paid uh, off the studio. Oh man, we finished the album because when we actually when we fin- they gave us the money first half to go into the studio, and then when we were done. They get the rest of the money from the label. That's when we found out the label went bankrupt, right? Well, before uh, we had finished, and the label actually was into it. I remember uh, they were out in New York, and they had publicists and everything. They were calling me up, setting up interviews and everything, and uh, even talking about the sequence of the album. You know, maybe we should change that. But then I don't know. They go bankrupt. It took us four or five years to pay it off. Four years. Oh man, that's why it was released so late. And it's funny because a lot of things, even reviews now go. It's like, it's kind of like it does. It, it sounds like if it came out in the late '80s, like it was supposed to, it'd be way more revolution because it it was technical progressive thrash metal, like we did with the hardcore years, the Killing the Future years. It was ahead of its time for like bands like Atheist, Coroner. Oh, so when we get lumped in, oh, this sounds like Coroner or whatever. No, no, we were before all that, man. It's just that that's messed up everything, you know. But then again, you know. What are you gonna do about it? It just it sets off. It's it's claiming that yeah, and it's never bad. They, they don't go they rip up. They, I'm, I remember they might the most they might say is hey, it's sound like corner, but you know, band nobody not people not many other bands that there's not a bazillion corner clones out there. But again, it's wrong. You know what I mean? Because it was it was really ahead of its time. That's when I was thinking about you know after the fast stuff I was going progressive. You know, let's do it like that. You know, but. I'm glad we paid it off, though, man. It was hard because we didn't have jobs when we were young kids. And uh, it was a struggle, a studio. I remember, like, one of the guys would collect, because uh, we had two guitar players for that, uh, for, uh, for the one that we came with. John was in charge. Whoever it was, it went through phases. Uh, John did, Steve did it for all. No, Steve might have done it first, where they'd have to deal with the studio calling him. When are you, when's the next payment coming in? 
Yeah. At practice, he'd go, hey, man, uh, the studio call. I forget the guy's name always. He goes, you guys got to pitch in, you know, at the studio. We'd give excuses. (laughs) So Steve did it for a year, then John did it. And me uh, me and Ray Chris did it, the bass player. But me and Ray, uh, the drummer, never did it, you know? Yeah. Collected the money. And it was it was just hell. It was almost like seeing something you don't want to see on oh, management. Money. Yeah. Did did you guys ever think of did you ever think of, you know, going to a different studio, recording, re-recording it and, you know, even releasing it as a bootleg, maybe? Well, we couldn't do that because um well it was uh it was the contract for their first album was like ten thousand dollars or something like that. Maybe it was a yeah, ten thousand. And I remember thinking, see, I recently I heard uh, Dave Mustaine on a podcast. And he was talking about the first album. And he goes, yeah, well, uh, Kambay gave us, uh, I think he said seven or eight, six or 8,000. I remember it was under 10. Mm. And I remember, I go, man, back when when we got our deal for 10 for the first album, second album would have been 20. And you know, go up, right? I kept thinking, man, it's so little and everything. Little did I know, it wasn't only Megadeth. Every one of those bands were getting little money. I was thinking, <laughs> man, why can't we get like those? You, you think if they... They probably got fifty thousand. Who knows? You know, never near what we got. You know. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes you think differently, and you don't stress about it as much. Like we're not getting what they get. You know. But um, it was a, we didn't have enough money to do it at all. Like even as a demo, like like yeah, we were because uh, I was probably um, uh, twenty one. Like my whatever. Uh, all of us never had a permanent job at that time. I had no job at all. Our drummer didn't have a job. Steve, you know, like, of course he had a job, you know. And uh, Chris, our bass player, worked at UPS. I remember at three in the morning till seven in the morning. So, like, and that was just part time. So there wasn't a lot of ink, uh, I mean, to, to do anything like that, you know. Like, if we didn't pay it off, and it took, uh, and a couple times ago, we might have not, it, we would have, they probably would just erase the tape, you know. Yeah, true, true. Jeez, it's lucky that he did actually pay it off then and get to release it then so everybody could hear it. Yeah, because if we never made that up, let's say because we broke up after like 94, uh, uh, 96, we broke up. We we made, um, yeah, we basically broke up. So Eyes of Tomorrow wasn't promoted really at all, you know, but we didn't even realize like the first 10 years, of, especially the Internet years when they started and stuff, it really carried its own. It, it shouldn't have been known at all, man, because nobody was doing nothing with it. There was no tour. There was no nobody pushing it to anybody. No. So it, somehow it, it got on, like, favorite albums of a lot of, like, you know, it, it carried on by internet word of mouth or whatever that was, you yeah. know? True organic growth. Yeah, and it's been released a lot, though, right? Because uh, in 90, uh, shortly after we uh, we paid it off, we tried to put it out on our own. We just put it out, Zoid, like we did our demos, you know? But we did it only for like not we never really established it because we sent it out to uh, magazines and stuff and then we kind of stopped there was nothing else we could do you know it's so but we called it zoid like it was a label whatever it was it i mean we just mailed it out and then broke up you know the band was over <laughs> yeah but when the band was broken up the chicago label called thermometer wanted to put it out and they ended up putting it out with cassette and uh they changed you know free printing the cover they just made it a little better colors and everything and uh they that is all over the world right now. When I when I look through uh, Google search and they're like on eBay or whatever, and a lot of them anywhere for sales is thermometer sound surface, the name of that label. Physical products. I don't know. They, they sent it everywhere. It was a big uh, a distributor. It was a distributor called uh, whatever it was, but it was a big distributor that just wanted to start labels. That's what it was. 
and they had a lot of money. So when we went to, the reason they convinced us to let them release it, they had, we went and they had a building gigantic warehouse of all music. They had signed some band that they were putting it everywhere called the Drovers here, like in America. And uh, they signed Michael Badio, you know, from, uh, you know, Michael, um, you know, he played the two guitars. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Michael ba- Michael Michael ba- Badio is that yeah I, I can't believe I forgot his name. So they put out and then uh, in '98 a Greek label called Black Lotus. I don't know where wanted to put it uh, release it in Europe because it never came out of Europe, you know. Yeah. And then uh, they did it. They put it out. And then uh, yeah, a, a label in China called Area Death Records wanted to do a whole box set with a DVD, really cool package, you know. And uh, they, Eyes of Tomorrow was on there and. Um, Oh, and then uh, Shadow Kingdom wanted to release it in 2015 in America with vinyl. vinyl. That's a vinyl. And we changed the cover with the, the logo on the cover instead of Aftermath on the side, you know? Yeah, so that's it's been released a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah. And something else happened in the 90s as well as, as, well as making waves in the music world. You kind of made waves in the legal world with your case against Dr. Dre. Looking back now, so much time has passed. How do you feel about it now, looking back? That, that was, uh, so we had the trademark. We actually paid for it, you know? So we feel like we were justified, like, to win the case. And it was uh, during a preliminary injunction. So it was like November of the year, and Dre was going to unleash his new label. So they left this case. They always knew I had the trademark. They go, oh, we'll just take care of that. Some little metal band in the Midwest, you know? Well, we'll pay them off. So they kept putting it up. So uh, it got to the point where, hey, man, you know, the label, we're going to be releasing shit in a couple months because they contacted me in August. And that November or Christmas season, they were going to have the new Dre label, you know? Yeah. So I don't know what happened with the payoff, man, because at that crucial moment, if the judge sided with the way of the way the rule of the law is, I would have had him really at the corner because I could have demanded, give me $5 million, man. because. They showed up to that point. They already spent getting ready for this label over five million. So, hey, we can't lose all that money. Look, we, they had videos done with uh, aftermath in it. Everything, sure, like everything. The first album was done called called. Uh, it was a compilation, and it was a uh, it had aftermath big letters on the bottom. You know, so everything would have. They would have first of all if they if we stopped them, they would have missed. They were building up to. It was important that when you release it. So they would have missed the whole Christmas was gone that year. That year would have been done. Then the new year, they couldn't put it at the beginning of the year because they don't do that at that time. Especially major releases, they need Christmas, you know, for major things or did then. And uh, so it would have been like um, they would have had to pay a lot of money, you know. And because we know there were two opinions written from law students because they study it in law class now. It was yeah. like a trademark yeah. case, you know. And one time we ran into these Students that were your aftermath versus uh, uh, Interscope or Dre. I mean, uh, um, they were studying it, and somehow they found out. Either way, we found out from somebody there was a thing where I win already written for that day, and a thing where I lose already written. You know, huh. so it could have gone either way. Yeah, Cause, yeah, because we had the trademark, so easily we could have won. You wouldn't question it. so. How it could go either way, the negative side was that he couldn't say we're wrong. We got it. He goes, you could both coexist. It's not the same worlds. It's different kind of worlds of music. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. So so that means like, okay, so I could be Led Zeppelin if I'm rap. <laughs> right? or, the, or this new this new rap group called uh, The Who, ACDs, anything, right? 
Yeah, so that makes no sense. But I almost feel well, he got bribed. Think about it, the money. You know, he probably they have the money. They go, hey, man, here, take a million to the judge. And then when you check history, Judge Norgal was his name. Uh, he had a history of uh, uh, at one point in his career, he was uh, in trouble for taking a bribe, you know. Oh, well, because I remember when we found that out after that, we go, man, for sure, he took the bribe, you know. Definitely, up at that point, I was thinking because when I went on the stand, I, I was like, they had to call a recess because I wasn't answering questions that the Dre's attorneys were asking, right? And I thought they were stupid. He was blaming, he was trying to tie in that the Rolling Stones had an album called Aftermath in the 60s. And, <laughs> I stole that name from them. And I, I didn't even know they had an album after that. It wasn't, no, I was, yeah. you know what I mean? Back then, I, I love the Stones now, but back then, you know, I, I wasn't, I was a metal kid, you know? And uh, and I go, you say, I don't know what I was doing. I annoyed the judge. Because I remember he hit the gallery and goes, we're taking a reason because of you. So I thought maybe he just didn't like me from the stand, you know, before we found out that he's already taken a bribe and got in trouble for it. But again, it was, and the, oh, another thing that was funny most bands don't have a trailer, don't do what we did. And probably because I was so obsessed with everything. Like musically, I wanted it to be my. It's like uh, famous bands. That's not something they do, you know. And we found out all about that. Where it, it's it was rare what we did, especially a band that wasn't signed when we did the name or anything. Yeah, yeah, true. Actually, it's weird though because you know, common sense would tell you you had the name first, so you should win. You know. Oh, oh yeah, and that and, and that was clear because it was years later, and not only that, the trademark alone. You would figure, I mean, that's what they tell you. That's the reason we got it to protect us. Against, <laughs> what we're going through is the reason, and and it was so rare. We had to get a lawyer, right? And the only reason I got a lawyer to do it, this guy, there was a, a service in Chicago called Lawyers for the Creative Arts. So I called them up. Out of nowhere, because we had some contracts early on from New Renaissance label, you know, right when the first demo came out, we got offers, but we turned everything down. And uh, so I called up and go, okay. and he he was a lawyer that did it for free. I guess it was some service. We became friends with that guy, and I, he trademarked it for us. But the cost he paid just to do was like a thousand dollars or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, I don't think because he didn't charge us. I think. Yeah, I think that's the cost, whatever. But there was a cost, like, I know it was over a 1000 you know? But if I didn't get him, he wouldn't have done it. That's why we we didn't go out and do it. He was already with us for a couple of years when we did it, you know? A guy that wanted to help out bands, that, you know, the creative artists that didn't have any money, you know? Or have contracts, you can't read it from a real lawyer, and he'd do it for free or whatever, you know? Which, uh, which you, you don't think back then, because the music business has ripped off artists from day one, every artist. There is, you can't be in this business unless they're good. If you're through them, you're being ripped off. Oh, yeah. But the only time you will become a millionaire rock star is if they made way more millions than you. Like, even when Michael Jackson was the biggest artist in the world, they were happy. I remember back then, if you look at the news, that he got up to a dollar a CD. Uh, <laughs> that. And think about it. Where did the, you go to the store back then? CDs were $15. Who got the yeah, rest? Exactly. And then you find out CDs to make them cost pennies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, oh, it's I heard a put once. It's a uh, the music business, small M, big B. Yeah, it's 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 a, almost like a, a crime organization just to rip off the art. Think about it. music gives people so much pleasure. I mean, music is so important in life. If you take music out of life, you might as well take air out of the earth. You know exactly. 
even I, I don't know what we talked about last time if we talked about this, but I remember the Exorcist soundtrack. I realized how important music is because that movie was one of the scariest movies, The Exorcist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Then I remember as a kid back then, around that time, I got the album from the library, brought it home, and it gave me even a scarier feeling than the movie. <laughs> so yeah. think about if you took out the that music from the movie, you would you wouldn't have been as scared. It's the music that made it that dynamic and yeah, adds to the atmosphere. Yeah, and um or any as as you reflect back, let's say you met some girl you fall in love with on a beach somewhere or a, anywhere, summer vacation. You know, when you hear that song, it's instantly gonna you're gonna wanna you're gonna love you. You know, you it's gonna make you not only think back, but it'll give you a good feeling or Overall, man, music is one of the important things. And they're, the business side of all the musicians that make all the great music is run by thieves and fucking liars. You know? So you go into their world and they eat, drain you of everything and they get rid of you, you know? Yeah. Use and, and abuse it and throw you aside when they're done. Yeah. That's why I'm kind of glad where it is now because think about it, any of the big bands right now, they'd be insane to be on a label like I'm talking like a Metallica or a Tool or U2. You just you don't need a middleman. It's almost like the Federal Reserve. You don't need that there. You 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 they're there for no reason besides the rape and pillage and steal. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Exactly. Yeah. And um one thing actually before we move on to the concerts, I can't wait to hear your concert experiences now. They're going to be great. But one thing we talked about earlier, you mentioned the the Gulf of Tonga and I had a question for you. Do you know the link to music with that? With the Gulf of Tonkin? Yeah. The Vietnam thing? Yeah. It has a a, a very important link to, uh, you know, counterculture in the 60s and music in the 60s. How does how, What links them two together? Yeah. So the Admiral of the boat you know yeah yeah <laughs> i always think that's a weird one that's, a, that's amazing i've talked to me that's funny that blows my mind and then i tell people that and i expect them i hate when they react oh really i go you realize that man like a guy that every every person that was in his audience worshiping him they were fine their main thing if you took their that audience what do you work Vietnam, that his dad was the one pushing it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'd be right there at the concert in 1960-whatever year. I'd, go, I'd, go, I'd be looking at the stage, and the reporter told you, what? His dad? I, I, you don't even know what to say to that. Yeah. Coincidence? I mean, <laughs> but the, what I knew up until, and I researched everything, like I said before. I wasn't a guy that would like, oh, Jim Moore. I, I got into the doors, you know. Like I went through a Doors phase. You know, some girl got me into him, and I really got into it. And I researched everything. And this was like in the 80s or late 80s. No, no, no. Yeah, late 80s at least, man. I couldn't find anything about his parents. They were dead. You know, his dad was in, uh, in the Army, but nothing like what he was, that important or nothing. But, and, in the, you know, it was known like, at the beginning. Like, I, I guess he was actually saying they were Murder, he made up stories early on, you know. Yeah, he used to always say we're dead and stuff like that. He didn't, I suppose, he didn't really want to be associated with that, considering the impact he was having on the culture, you know. Well, if I was like the doors manager back then, I go, Jim, what is your name? What's your name? And then he found out, What? 
<laughs> we got your dad's dead, man. Your parents don't exist. You have no more family. You know what I mean? We can't let that out because they're going to think you guys are. You know that, that audience back then wasn't it? Who knows how they would have reacted? Yeah, yeah. And fuck you! Your tell your father. Fuck you! Know. Yeah, it has to be like the pinnacle of teenage rebellion, rebelling against your parents for him to go out and become the biggest counterculture symbol of the sixties. You know. And it's funny because he really was that man. People, mm. I think people are kind of missing that, the younger people now, how important that guy really was. Yeah. He was, he, I think every frontman after it was influenced by him after that. Every, every, oh, definitely. From the ones that want to be artsy and dark or the ones that want to be crazy. I mean, he influenced them all, man. And the funny thing is that he was so drunk for a lot of it and everything that maybe he was rebelling against his parents. Yeah. I mean, there could be a chance where, because a lot of people think, you know, like he didn't die in Paris and everything that that he was put in there, like you know, you know, because the uh, uh, the CIA has a uh, headquarters up in Laurel Canyon, like during those years. Yeah, and if you really look into it, like every one of those bands, whether it's Jefferson Airplane, The Grateful Dead, uh, The Doors, it goes on and on and on. They all had somebody in the band affiliated with uh, a lot of, of the CIA. So they can't be coincidence. Yeah, they're here with officers. Around musicians are supposed to be like all, you know, they're not out there. It was a big punk rock scene that's an anarchist against the government. We're keeping an eye on them. There was no reason to keep an eye on them. Like, yeah. I mean, Joni Mitchell, that, that, those are the kind of people who were up there. So they were just up there for a reason. And so they think they, they mold certain guys to start the projects. Like, they'll put, you know, the, the Grateful Dead guy, one of them, you know, he's in it from the CIA thing, and it's all around him, you know, or the doors. Jim Morrison is they put him in there as dad, you know, and uh, and he, but then he happened to have the cool talent because you couldn't make up Jim, uh, Jim Morrison. No, you couldn't. That's the thing, you know. I've heard people say that he was like a sleeper agent or he was molded in a plant by the CA, but as you just said, you can't teach that talent, it's natural, no, you know. No, 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 that guy was. But the funny thing is, the cool, super cool Morrison was only like a two and a half, three year period. Then he got mm -hmm. the beard and fat. And then yeah. when he was younger, he just looked like a normal guy. You know, the rock guy was only, and I guess it started with that photo shoot he did with some girl with yeah. the top of the leather pants. And yeah. that's the, that's, but then again, he destroyed it too right away, but he got fat and yeah. So, see, that one is confusing, but all I know is uh, the CIA was there and they needed to, could, they, there's no way you could get your word out like if you don't use uh, the uh, the popular music, the television, all that, that's the way to do it, you know? Yeah, that's it. It all ties in with what we're at now. It's It was there to break that. <clears throat> I think the whole rock scene, the way they intended it is to, as they did the women's liberation to get the woman out of the house, you know, to work, as it, as it was to make any kind of change in culture, it was there to dismantle the family, to bring the... To, to break down because you can't the family you can't a strong father a mother that's at the house taking care of you and the kids are listening and being not brainwashed and from outside sources you know just strong families you know good families you know good good parents are there for their kids you can't take over society and make it what they want it to be uh the one world uh thing with if, if that was still there you know so slowly it was just dismantling and then just making making division, you know. Because think about it. What do we think, man? If we came, let's say me and you right now, we're forty five year olds in the sixties, and then we drive past the 
Woodstock or something like that. We see them all in mud naked running around. Like, I mean, we're going, oh my God, right away, it's just division of things. You know, yeah. they're, they're not together anymore, you know? That's it. That's it. Yeah. 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 And, and eventually, and I knew this, I found some old speech, you know, we even put it on our, on our There's Something Wrong album, the first song, the intro, it's called Can You Feel It? There's, if you had headphones on, you'd probably hear a speech underneath. They had speech. Man, that guy pressed it on vinyl on his own when he was 80 years old. He he was from Hollywood. I can't, I, his name is slipping my mind right now, which I shouldn't, you know, when it happens like that. And uh, he was so frustrated that nobody got, that the truth isn't out. People have no idea what's going on. That he made this vinyl and put it out. And the reason, you know, he, I think he came out in 60 something, like it's been out for four or five decades. And uh, the reason you could look back and go, that guy knows because in that speech, he mentioned things that were years from what coming up, stuff that came up in the 70s, the 80s. You go, either he was God and this little man knew everything, or <laughs> see, stuff like that you can't deny. You know what I mean? And he was even talking about that. He was even talking about back then how they're going to take the word liberal alone. He goes, they're going to weaponize that so much. They're going to make these people not even know what they like. Basically, like the liberals of now that are running around, like they, you'll see fat white girls running around a Black Lives Matter thing. Going, Fuck yeah. You know, they're, they're clueless of what they're even rebelling against. It's all like fake organizations made to sway you from reality, you know? That's it. And uh, yeah, and this speech there was. Uh, he even said, even the gay community said, and you're thinking like any other year you hear before, besides these past couple of years, you think, how are they going to divide the gay community? Because they're going to really go after all the sub community, the gay community. And I remember when I first started, I go, how are they going to divide the gay community? Makes sense. This is pretty LBGT, whatever they are now. Now, when I find out, when I hear like a podcast, certain thing, and these lesbians don't like this transgender guys, the transgender guys don't like this guy, the gays, I mean, they, I go, man, he was right again, they divided, even, I mean, I, that speech, if it came on and people listened to it, they would know the truth, well, I guess you would know it then, you know, because you, you, you know, you didn't prove himself throughout the years, but the truth was, man, it's all about dividing us, making us hate one another, us, the 99% are all the same, I mean, color shouldn't matter, you know, you know what I mean, it's all, exactly. if you're a good person, like, if you're a person that doesn't lie, I mean, there's nothing worse than liars, especially li- lying is exhausting. And it's 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 almost like the thought of now, everything that's good is inverted, you know, like a little white lie. They slowly try to make you think things are good. Just like how they're renaming pedophiles now as uh, adult attractive. So they got a new term. They're pushing. They start pushing their things slowly until they feel the public's catching on. And once they know there's not going to be a pushback, they unleash it. That's it. That's it, but bit by bit. Yeah, because they can't. We have the power. We just don't know it, and mm. we don't. We don't need to. The, our power is so strong that they're petrified of it. But because uh, we lose our power if we go on the street with violence, now, those kind of protests, because they could just go and they're going crazy and they can start shooting back. You know, with the arm, with the brainwashed army. That's the army's part of us. The ninety-nine percent. All you need to know is they're there. Your system, your the gig is up. Yeah, we're not participating. Let's say a presidential election came up in November, right? Nobody shows up. They go, we know it's all fake. <laughs> we're not paying taxes. They can't do any. They're going to come arrest us. There's billions of us. Yeah, exactly. There's I nothing mean, they can do. Yeah, all the, the that's all it is. Just you don't even have to leave your house. Yeah, I it, I get it. It's those bloodlines they want the one world order. Mm. That's what they're doing. We know they could change the weather. Every everything everything that 
it, it was a conspiracy. I, like I told you on the last album, I named 33 of them when we were talking about it. That at any point be, besides them admitting it slowly, they would die. They, they would never existed. Like, no, no way. What? No. No. Everyone. I'm just going, there's 33 there, man. You think they really stopped at 33? I mean, you could go up to thousands of them, hundreds of them. Yeah. Oh, it'd, it'd be never ending. You could just keep going. But it did. It also, it should give us kind of kind of hope too, because they really are satanic. I mean, they, they, the rituals that is. I mean, the Moloch thing everywhere, even like uh, during Bohemian Grove and everything. They're so satanic that it kind of makes you not an atheist. Like life ends and it's over. It kind of gives you a positive feeling. Like if you're a good human being, I think it made me think that we're here on Earth, man. So test how we come out with all the bad because earth is it's it's gone it's infiltrated it's all satanic you know yeah. so if we can do the right choices and come out with a pure soul a good soul i think then you move on to the next level i don't think like at one point i was thinking you die blackness forever gone then mm. it's kind of i kind of like thinking like this more yeah yeah. How could you not, man? These people know the secrets. They know what's out there. They they know they've they hidden it. They we got this new song called in the chorus of uh Transform and Disrupt. It goes, Mystery School, pull up a chair, uh for the mystery. You know, it says it in the course. You'll see how I don't want to say it till south. Mm-hmm. But uh it's uh the mystery schools, the hidden information, the hidden history is all hidden from us. We're like clueless. They know if they are into the dark satanic world. They, they could, there's no doubt that they are, aren't, you know what I mean? If you research, you'll find that. As a matter of fact, when I first got into researching for truth, I avoided anything that's not, if it's not a mission, God, blah, 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 I, I wouldn't read the rest. Or if it was a thing, i go, oh, this is religious. It got to the point where I kind of ran out of things and things weren't making sense for me. I go, man, it just doesn't make sense still, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I opened up one, uh, one, uh, uh page one day and i read into it about this god thing and then right when i read it everything that i thought didn't make sense that where i still think maybe they're not I, you know because i didn't go into it looking for them uh bloodline i didn't know i you know right away everything that i made sense oh everything made sense so if they're so into it of course it's a god then you know and then it, i mean and we we're given free choice. We give we got a will to decide what role you're on. You know. Yeah, exactly. Go, yeah, the, like duality of everything, right? You can go the good road, bad road. You and you, if you're a normal human being, you know what's good, man. You don't kill is that. Why do you think uh, the PTSD from soldiers coming back from wars? It's not because if they were killed, if the soldiers were going out there and killing a real enemy, trust me, they wouldn't be coming back having nightmares about it. Then they might have pleasant dreams. Going, thank God we got those evil bastards. You know, that's why. They're killing people they have nothing to do with. They're not, no war has killed innocent people. All the soldiers, both sides, they, 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 there's no end. There's nothing bad about it. They, why would they not like each other? Let alone to murder each other. You know They don't even know each other. So they're killing innocent souls. But anybody that murdered anybody about that, if you kill a person and you're not a beast, it's going to eat you up. You know? And that's what it's all Definitely. about. Yeah, yeah. We um, We better... Get back to the music, I suppose. I can't wait to hear this now. Your concert experiences. So as a concert goer, what gigs do you think have made you? Well, the ones that the my um Van Halen Fair Warning Tour 1981 
because I was so much into the band then, and we got seventh row, and it was, it was like they were right in front of us. It was so colorful. You know, imagine David Roth coming up with a splits right up. <laughs> uh, they were just for you. It was like, oh my God. And then <laughs> that made me like, but then again, our first concert, Queen, was pretty great. Even though the thing that made it bad is um, I figured Queen, uh, my, my parents took us, you know, Queen. The first two concerts, my mom and dad, we were too young to go on our own because we were literally uh, 11 and 12 or something. Or So the first concert, Queen, I look behind us and there's guys bending over and they got white powder on driver's license and they're snorting it, right? I didn't even know what it was. I knew it was drunk. I, and my whole point was to go to the Queen concert and have my mom and dad go, oh, yeah, we'll let them come along. You know, uh, you know they're safe. So right when I seen that, I go, oh, my God, what the hell are those guys doing? So they kept doing it. I kept worried they're going to turn around and see that, you know. The second concert, which was Ario Speedwagon, I, the row we're sitting on, I look all the way down, and there's a joint coming. Next person, going to the next person, next person, next person. <laughs> and it eventually got like two people. Then I turn my back like this, you know, because, yeah. and then all of a sudden, I, I feel like this, I got, you know, like, get away. Then, <laughs> I think that just, I remember those two things stressed me out so much that it kind of ruined the concerts. Mm. I'm thinking, all right, the first one, they're snorting stuff off a driver. Like, this one, they're passing a joint to a little kid. Like, what parent will ever want to? Not only that, it's worse than a human a nightmare. Other people do it. They're handing it to your son. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, jeez. Oh, so those two, I remember, were just that, that anxiety and stress took over. But then the next one, they let us go on our own. Meaning that, you know, they dropped us when we went with one of my aunt's friends, this kid, but our age, you know. And you know what that was? Ozzy Osbourne with Randy Rhodes in the band, Def Leppard opening up. Oh, man. Jeez, now that's some yeah, concert to get to go yeah, on. Yeah, that was own. an outdoor concert too. <laughs> that was amazing, man. But Ray, it's so weird though because uh, Ozzy played. I remember it was real short. He only did it like an hour, and then I, he a little over an hour. And I, I remember thinking, uh, we, we were just too far from the seats. And Randy Rose was real little, you know. Oh uh, yeah. And I remember thinking, why couldn't we be closer like the other two concerts? You know, mm. we're. Uh, but and then uh, from then on. I think I'm up to about 800. Jeez. I write them down. Like, uh, like the list is, uh, I know it's funny when I say that. Right? It's only the name of the band, the uh, venue, and the date. There's, there's a little, but if you flip through the list, actually my list, yeah, I was thinking I was going to pull it. My list is uh, on my Facebook page. I know it's a, photo, a whole photo album. So you, you could see if you flip through page and page and page, it's, it's pretty diverse. But, uh, that Van Halen concert, though, the Fair Warning one was the one that was, uh, the first concert would have been Kiss Dynasty, 1979, but they, they said no in the last minute. And I remember that night literally crying, like burying my head in the couch for hours. For that. It really, that was a really disappointing uh, thing. Not I'm going not out. surprised. Yeah. I take it you <laughs> obviously got to see Kiss since then, have you? Yeah, I got to see him on the reunion tour, which I I didn't like it at all. Yeah, yeah. I got to see him, I think it was 2008, 2009. Now, I'd never seen them before, and I I can't tell you how many times they've been to Ireland, but I was kind of just in awe and amazed that I was actually getting to see Kiss, you know? Yeah, well, see, the thing is, about with the reunion tour, I, I wanted to see that the, the, the 70s Kiss, you know, because I love those early years. 
but it, it is, I don't know how it was back on um, you know, in 79 when Dynasty came out, and then there was the Elder and uh, uh, Creatures of the Night. They died in America, they didn't even tour America for years. Jeez, you know? they, didn't, yeah. they didn't do an Elder tour for America, they didn't do a Creatures of the Night tour because they're popular. It was almost well, it was really bad. Like, if uh, I went to that school where I moved, transferred to this school, like I told you, and it was all the rock kids. If I came in wearing a kiss shirt, it, it, it would have been over. You would have been bullied. <laughs> it was almost embarrassing. You would, you would. It was almost like a if something about like a closet thing, mm. like kiss. Then I no, no, no. It got that bad because I think it got so silly that the older kids, you know, they go, "Come on, man!" It's, when it got to the point where you could really say it. So the early years, at least, they had the dark clothes and they were. Or they didn't, they weren't like they were for even Ace Fraley himself said it. He was mm. I had to leave the band because I looked out in the audience and it was all little seven year olds. <laughs> you know, and he Jeez, goes, Man, yeah. that was a rock and roll. The early years they were like this evil looking uh all black leather, you know, the, the, the 74, yeah. 75, 76, 77. Yeah. After 77, when it got too big, it just ruined it, you know? Yeah, didn't they have like a, a cartoon or something in the seventies aimed at little kids as well? Yeah, yeah, they had everything. Yeah, they had the cartoon. They had uh, um, the dolls were big. You know, the kiss dolls were big. It was they had everything though. I remember they even had um, the uh, the thing for school. The lunch boxes were a big thing. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, then again, they even went on to the end to have like juice caskets <laughs> because you could you know you could have kiss at your very final thing a kiss casket. Jesus. <laughs> but he was, he, but, but him, at least he admits it though. He, they go, why did you get into music, Gene? For, for, he's cause of puss. I hate that word, puss. Mm. puss you know, and uh, the money. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's the thing you would hide. Even if, if you did it for that, you wouldn't tell people that. Yeah, exactly. You're not supposed to. <laughs> but at least he says it though. At least he's not lying. Yeah, true. He's I honest. mean, I'd rather have you tell me the truth than, and don't, I, especially if it's like a dumb lie. I mean, I'd rather have like your own sucks than to say, yeah, I, I like it. Mm. Any, anything, man. I'd rather have the truth, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So 800 concerts then. I feel like the listeners are going to be screaming at the speaker. Ask them the top five. Who makes the top five list for you? Oh, my God, it's so hard. <laughs> I literally had arguments with people one time. because There was this guy that goes, hey, man, I haven't seen you. And he brought up something about a concert. I forgot what band it was. That uh, the last time was when we. I, they probably. I, I, first of all, I go. How would you remember it? But I, I didn't realize when people don't go to too many, they kind of remember them. You know. Yeah. I, I wasn't at that show, man. I'm telling you. It was yeah. That's something. Whatever it was, I almost. I was dead serious. I wasn't at that show, man. I came home that night, went through my list. Yeah. Oh my god, I was at that show. <laughs> right. How the fuck did I blank that out totally? And when it was that many, and. It was, um, and at certain points, man, I was going like four concerts a week because most of them I was, I was going to a lot of free ones through because I was helping Jam Productions, the big production company in Chicago, the big promoters, you know, they bring from Madonna to whatever, you know, uh, with the metal shows, you know, like they handing out flat, like they were just promoting, telling, you know, just talking to them about it. I don't, even, I don't, even, it wasn't anything I was even doing, but I know once a week I would call them up and tell them what lists I want to be on out of the new shows. So, that lasted for 10 years. So those years, like if you ever look at my list on Facebook, when there's a dot next to the concert, yeah, it's a free show. Ah. And you'll see you'll see the whole one whole decade where it was almost like dull dots, you know. <laughs> and then it was like it was like insane because it it, it was like um 
Well, uh, like you mentioned, you love music, open up the newspaper, oh, they, and they call up jam. Da, da, get on. It was just like uh, great. But it's funny that it ended where I couldn't just take going to that many anymore, where it didn't matter anymore. Because if you told me the midpoint, I go, no, I, I would hate to lose the accessibility to any show. Hmm. And uh, so the top five would, well, fair warning, Van Halen, fair warning. See, there's a lot of cool ones, like they were really cool, like seeing uh, Nirvana at the Metro. You were seeing Nirvana? Yeah, at the Metro, which is a small place, you know, like 400, um, 400 people, you know, like a club, I mean, you know? Yeah. And uh, before they got big, and then just they sounded really good and everything. But then again, I seen, uh, like, I seen Randy Rolls a lot, but even though he was one, I seen Randy Rolls, you know? So that yeah. was my change. Or, or um, there's so many I might be forgetting, you know? So I never sit down, I have five, but. I know there's shows on there that people would, you know, you know, like seeing the Randy Rhodes, for instance, because he's dead, or Eddie Van Halen, because he's dead. Especially the early ones would be uh, time machine shows, you know? Yeah. My time machine shows, Black Sabbath and Van Halen opening up. That, that's where I'd want to go, you know? That tour. But um, I know there's one man that I'm forgetting right now. But I just gave you uh, three. I know I feel, man, I should have five. <laughs> And I know I'm forgetting something right now that I really that's that was an important one too. I seen it. Um, you know who Jason Becker is? The name sounds he's got multiple sclerosis, guitar yeah. player. Yeah, he's gonna be in Megadeth for a while. Hmm. That was a good concert tribute for him. Eddie Van Halen came uh, at a small club and they did a concert with all the other guitarists, you know, all famous. I, I don't remember all the names, but or or um I seen Alcatraz at the Metro in Gray Mountain before he became like you know, ah, yeah. a dickhead guitar hero, you know, <laughs> when it was still cool. And that was pretty mind-blowing, seeing him for the first time. He took it, even though he wasn't Eddie Van Halen, it's Jimmy Henderson and Eddie Van Halen that really changed everything. Seeing Yngwie right in front of your face, I mean, close enough, like, literally, like, you could almost touch him from where you're at. That was a pretty um, memorable show. You got to check out my list, man. You'll see what I mean. <laughs> I, have to, I have to ask, then, when you go to a concert nowadays, then, do you are you very fussy about who you go to see because you've seen so many or will you just go to see anyone? No, no, no. It's I'm real picky now. Real picky. Like you'll see at the end, it started trailing off the on the last page. What was good? It was I went months without seeing a concert, which I thought was impossible before in my life. And and I the 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 last list, which is on the I didn't even post with the list, but it's in the on the last page of the photo album. On the comments is the rest of it. Instead of me posting it on top, you know, like I should, you'll see it got really sparked. Where I, I was almost not wanting to go barely anything, you know, like, well, I, you know, which is funny, I was in ACDC, Wrigley Field. I, I was I was going there for free because my brother had the tickets, and I go, man, I don't feel like going. You know, I was making <laughs> making fun of it all the way down to Wrigley Field where we we're playing. It ended it ended up I was blown away, man. Yeah. yeah I seen these, these are, well, I seen them last time in 82 for those about to rock. We were almost by, they had these big cannons. And when they first went, for those about to rock, it was so <laughs> close to us that, man, they, a couple of people feel like they got ear damage because it was like, Jesus. Because we were on the right, the stage was down here. We were like right up on the stage here. The cannons were like kind of up here. So it really, uh, I'll never forget that it was like, it was unexpected, you know? Well, they did on the album, but we didn't think they were going to do a live that loud right by. <laughs> but 
But and yeah. I remember losing interest in ACDC after uh, after uh, when, for those about to rock. You know, I didn't pay for you know, and then always thought Brian John. I don't know. I just never thought they were good. Like I, I didn't realize that they were still that power. I don't know. It blew me away that night, man. But even like whole lot of roads, the rhythm just kept going. They were so powerful and everything that I go, wow. And um, that one I was going to just like the deal. That's how picky I was. Like it was a big deal for me to go because my brother um, got the ticket. We hadn't gone for a while. They wanted all of us to go together, you know, because whatever. And I and I was not disappointed though, man. I thought I'd be, but otherwise, yeah, pretty much it's pretty hard to go see anything, you know, especially if it's like. A band that's already i could tell they've given up on being creative like if it's another band like iron maiden their last album proved to me that they still i would go see them and i I'm, i just miss them and stuff because i don't know how, what it is from somewhere in time or our slave somewhere in time so the last album i didn't like any maiden albums the last album i put i don't know again i heard it i like the one song I go that's wow i like that song next thing you know man i love the whole album which is a band that I thought was done with the, you know, obviously the great years were, you know, the number of the beast and power slave and peace of mind. Those were their peak. Right. But they are still trying to make new music. So I, I would go see them, you know, they're not just a cash grab. You know what I mean? Exactly. I actually seen them this summer and oh man, it's the, it's actually the best concert I was ever at. You know, I totally the blew in my mind. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are? Back in June, they were playing Belfast. They're coming back now, I think, next June as well. But I went there. I wasn't expecting a whole lot because like you, I thought their their best years were behind them. But, oh, man, did give any younger band a run for their money. You know, they haven't lost an inch. I wish I wish because they were just here not that long ago, like, like a month ago or whatever. And. I was I wanted to go, but somehow at the time it seems like time's flying now, right? Yeah. Which go by like that, and I could have sworn it was the week after because it was in my head. I didn't write it. I used to write them down always, and I would never forget that. Now when you put it in your phone, you forget things, man. You know, and just I don't know for some reason on a calendar writing what I wanted to see. Well, I never missed anything, you know. But this when I heard Maiden was playing tonight, somebody told me, "I go, well, that's tonight," you know. But now that you said that and i love you i man, i really wish i went I, w- I wish i didn't mess up the time on that but uh what do you, you do you like the last album yeah i thought it was great now i thought you know and the concert blew you away man wow yeah yeah it was uh i really wasn't expecting it but geez i'd i definitely i missed out on getting tickets now for next year but i wish i had if i'd go back that's what i feel about their album it's rare i, I can't believe how much i like that album I mean, to me, I don't know what Maiden fans think of uh, the collective as they are. Uh, to make such a album that guys their age, that's that says something, man. You know, because oh, yeah, it's, it's it's a great album, man. And then, uh, oh, you know what I forgot? Another important concert was the Ultimate Revenge, Slayer, Venom, and Exodus. You know, you, you know, there's even a video cassette when it hit New York City. Everybody see that that one for some reason that concert felt like no other it felt dangerous like it really felt because think about that show it was at the aragon ballroom if it's like close to four and a half thousand right and it wasn't like pre-sold out but it was full enough and everybody had the thrash look there was no it was right when it was it, it just started and it got to that point to be, fill up a four thousand seat arena a place but no posers have come into it yet not but i'm not saying posers are poison shirts they would have gotten killed like, you know, they wouldn't, because back then, no, 
especially the older three, um, it wouldn't have been cool. It'd be like a a, 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 a gang if it was like a, a um, the wrong gang going into the wrong gang's territory or turf. But um, it was like all like I can't even explain it. It was the most electrifying, most dangerous feeling I felt at a concert. And it, the Ultimate Revenge Tour, it was '85. You know. Yeah, yeah, and as a band, then what gigs that you've played do you think have made you guys? What ones have stuck out? Well, I really liked uh, the ones that on our reunion. Now, since we came back, like the the, the after twenty fifteen, like sixteen, and uh, out of the old days, there was an outdoor one that we did called uh, uh, Free Fest off the Lake Michigan, and it's, it used to gather like five thousand people on Cricket Hill. And it was like, so imagine seeing the lake and the sun going down and all like, uh, there's video, it's on that DVD of the boxes, like there's one song on there on the Chinese box set where you see the whole crowd because the guy scammed through the crowd and it looked like, a, like almost like a huge band, you know? And we, <laughs> yeah. were playing, we were playing when it was a perfect time because we were the headliner and it was the sun setting. They might have been our last show was Aftermath, though. Now that I think about it, that's why I think we had this different vibe on there. Well, we knew that we, this was our show, but nobody did. Yeah, because it was weird because we got picked as someone to be headlining that show. And we just uh, were thinking they didn't know that the band was over already in our head. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So, so there was a freedom of that show that you didn't care at all, you know? Uh, and that we just, jammed, it was just like, almost like it felt like, a great Woodstock performance when it was like a great live jam, you know, where, where the crowd was into it, the vibe was amazing. And uh, that really sticks out. And then in Germany, when we played also, when we reunited, the reason we reunited to play that festival in Germany, it had bangers open air. That was a great thing. We went out at noon too early and we thought, you know, noon, but the crowd was there and, and you know, it was cool. And uh, I think that would uh, like, that was a, a really good show in my mind, you know, yeah, yeah. But then again, there was one show, but uh, in Lapeer, Michigan, that we did one time, where they thought I had incited a riot, and uh, a lot of things got trashed and stuff. Right. And, uh, but what I was saying is, like, whatever it was on stage, what I was saying, they, they weren't getting what I was saying, and I, and I kept saying, first of all, I kept saying the wrong name of the city, Lapeer, and uh, whatever there was something going on, I. I attack each other something like that where they literally did it but i wasn't meaning what the, what i said but somehow somebody must have gotten hit and then it made it real you know and uh i think it was when we were playing with cold chamber a new metal band yeah that's right it was with culture and um uh yeah yeah it was with them and then their guitars i guess their guitars were on the side they got smashed their guitars but that was actually see i'm confusing i think that was aftermath but that's when we we had already broken up and we were mother got movie star when we signed the interscope. It was the same band, but it, it became so different. I figured we lost the name, not lost the name. I'm not, I, it's over. Somebody else is using it with us. Fuck that. And then it, it went on to the next level. How I remember I told you, I kept thinking, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's start. And then the whole point of that band was to start as a band and go by till the last song where it becomes all more electronic, more electronic, more, where it takes over. And it's all just, not nothing natural instruments all like dj stuff and like the nba yeah yeah and uh it's uh it's a pretty trippy album man it's, it's like, <laughs> and it literally ends with the four last songs being total like uh, it's only samples of the other like the samples from the previous song not samples from outside from the same album 
made into electronic loops and stuff. Jesus, man. That, how do you even come up with that sort of stuff? <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because when we gave it into Interscope, they go, "What? Is it? we don't understand. It, it's rock, hard rock, rock metal, and then it becomes something else in the middle, and then at the end it becomes like a DJ. <laughs> I remember they, in the conference room, they were confused. We don't know where to promote it. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, we, we, it was it was it, check it out sometimes. It's called Mother Got Movie Stars. It's yeah. title. I'll have to. I'll have to. Jeez. The cover is pretty cool. It's a supernova. Ah, oh. yeah. There's a poster up there. Oh, pretty cool. Yeah, uh-huh. it was like, actually on a major label and everything. You know. Yeah. It's funny because we gave him something that was like totally experimental. <laughs> And the, and the reason we we even, we even got into the radar because the radar is what we got known through the Dre lawsuit is uh they thought they uh, Jimmy Ivy actually the head of Interscope you know they, 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 talking to him I seen a documentary on HBO and I didn't realize how valuable his time is you know and because uh, and he's in the documentary they say he was always on the phone always on the phone and a couple times I refused his phone call and, I, and it made news. Here in the city, where the local interstate guys came up to me at a bar one night, they go, "Man, you didn't take Jimmy's call." <laughs> and I was like, "So?" And I didn't realize through the documentary. I go, "Oh, so see, I wasn't fighting to get the. We met him by accident, you know. Well, actually, they came to us trying to take with the the name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, he, uh, to me, he was not. You know, I, I, I didn't care. So when when I because uh, one time he goes, "Hey, man." Uh, there was Rolling Stone, the band, and Rolling Stone magazine. Mick didn't care. I remember I thought, who cares about Mick cared? I care if there's Dre and me after Mick. Because when, when he came around to us after the lawsuit, they wanted to sign us. And he told us, hey, man, you guys are pretty cool. How you? I don't know what he, yeah, whatever, whatever it was, it was. He goes, you guys break your area of the Midwest, like they did with Marilyn Manson before they got him, all their bands, they break their area, and then we'll take over. Uh, nationally or whatever globally and stuff and you got to do this and i remember he goes man it just bothered me that it was like i don't know everything was doing the major labels i didn't like I, we don't like following schedules we it's hard to explain but we don't operate like barely any band you know we just i literally do what i feel because like i don't care i lost millions like i lost millions from a thing that i should have been able to stop you know and i was on the stand I wasn't exaggerating. I was annoying the, the courtroom, you know. The judge has got two opinions. You know, he goes, I'm not going to give this guy fucking any money. You know, fuck him. You know, because literally he he got real pissed off at me, like like angry, like I was a, like a murderer. And I was defending a trademark I got from them. And I, you know, I probably said some shit about him, but and then I remember people go, man, you angering the judge like that. You just lost fucking the case and everything. But inside, I, I didn't care. You know what I mean? It doesn't. I just feel as long as you're healthy, you're the people you love around you are healthy. You can who cares about money losing shit like that? As long as you, it's more like I wouldn't do something. You can give me millions and millions of dollars, and people go, I wouldn't do something that I find disgusting or anti me for any amount of money. Because the next day I'd wake up and I want I want to beat the hell out of me. Mm. Yeah, it's all about your integrity. Yeah, that's all that matters, man. And and just being do good and be good, you know. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's what makes it so frustrating for me and stuff. It's just I see, I know the enemy, the one person. I know what they're doing. I I see all their problem, reaction, solution type false flags and all that stuff. And it's really hard when you care that you know about fairness and justice. It's just this, it's just so frustrating, you know. 
Yeah. And before we get to the last couple of questions, then, can you tell us what your future plans are? What's locked in for the rest of the year and beyond? Well, uh, in January, we're releasing the, the third album, No Time to Waste. There's going to be one more single coming out before that called uh, Transform and Disrupt. And uh, actually, we're going to release uh, everyone, everyone as a single with a video, you know. But uh, this 10-song album, this album is really, it's, you, know, you know, I mean, I love it. I mean, I actually love it to the point because of the COVID thing where we had to stop for a year. We're... A couple of times I didn't listen to it. The, the one the, from rehearsal when I put it all together because I sequenced it and everything through rehearsals, all the, the concept of the cover. I did it before it turns into the final thing, you know, my little double version. And I remember taking a ride one day and going, man, I, I didn't listen to it for like you know, six weeks. And then I put it on and it got me doing something I never did with my own music before where I was listening. I almost forgot it was us. And I was like going along singing with everything. And, I never did anything anything near that with anything before, and this album is. I, I just love. I just I think it's a great record. It's just, and and it's giving all the truth of the, the second album, which is more you know dark. Like even some reviews goes when you listen to this album because it's a concept record. You you actually feel you're in a dystopia in this future world and everything's bad. You know, because it was they had that bad feeling. You know, and that's how I wrote the lyric. It was like the, in a way sad that I have to announce this. That there's something wrong, people, for real. It's not pretend because anything. If I sat down with anybody, I could answer any of their questions why that conspiracy is true. Because and if I tell you the reasons, there's so much. All you need to have in your head is common sense. There's so much com just common sense. You don't have to be a some brilliant uh, detective or anything like that. Where right away. If I can't convince you, then I know you're, you're, you're just an idiot. You know what I mean? Not, 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 you just can't grasp it. Because I think anybody could grasp it. You just don't have people sit down and explain to them how each thing went along. I think I told you last time how many people don't even know the Federal Reserve isn't federal, you know? Yeah, exactly. But you know what a major problem these days is? There's a serious lack of common sense. Serious. You know? And the funny thing is, in 1987, on the song Chaos, that's what the chorus was. That the, the common sense will be like, no more reason, no more logic, no more thought, no more life. Running, rampant, going crazy, acting foolish, killing the future. It was also, uh, if you read the verses, I'm not going to read the verse, waste time, but uh, it's, it's basically saying the world's losing common sense, losing those things. Uh, the simple thing is common sense means you can't argue facts. So the argument won't end. Like if you, somebody's got common sense, you know, and you can convince, and then he finds out it's a fake. Okay, yeah, okay, all right. Now people go, no, that's wrong. That's why it's a big ball of confusion. You don't know what's up or is down. So that's on chaos. I, I was mean the world is going to be fucked up and coming to its end just because of the loss of common sense. And you think back then, I didn't want to say that back then in uh, interviews, but. Now it truly is, man. I'm, it's not being blown away by aliens or weapons, you know, like anybody think It's the stupidity of man where they got brainwashed by the 1% not to have any fucking sense of reality or figuring out the simplest thing, like wearing a mask and taking off the thing to eat. Just this one little snippet right there of common sense will tell you that's insane. <laughs> yeah. A virus will stop when you're eating because they don't want to, they're it's polite. <laughs> 
soon as he's done eating, we're going to attack that motherfucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's not, that's one of everything. Everything's that stupid. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It kind of make you laugh. You know, you kind of have to step back and say, is that really happening? Like, do these other people see what's going on here? You know? Yeah, I totally I know what you mean, man. Because sometimes I, I wake up in the morning if I, or if I really, if I, when I'm really finding out what's going on, because I do my surgery. I don't want to do all the time. You know, when I go through, like, what the, what, you know, just avoid, you know, looking at even sites that I know are real. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I would think, man, if you told anybody, is this happening? Is this is this a crazy dream? I mean, it's not possible to get like this, to get humanity at this point. I mean, it, any other years you t- would have told us in the future p- certain things that are happening now, we wouldn't we go, yeah, okay, they'll never happen, man, you know? No, no. Yeah, it's beyond belief. But um, is there, will there be a, a tour to support the album? Well, we want um it'd be kind of cool at first because we, we got a uh interest down in south america to do some festivals and then do it'd be cool to do uh, uh the european festivals and then uh while we do certain dates maybe around there do a uh, more the area around there but not to do a tour like get on a tour bus uh, not uh or a van or whatever and tour for months on end and play anywhere we, we don't want to do that because nowadays it does it's just pointless. You kind of know where the through uh, listens through uh, the sites like Spotify, where people are listening and everything, and at least target those areas. You know, instead of just wasting time and going because time is going so fast. Like now, there's no time to waste. It feels like it felt like just yesterday was Halloween and it was Thanksgiving. You know, yeah, actually, yeah. And watch when it's Christmas Day, you probably go remember when we were doing that interview. It felt like yesterday. You know, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so that's what we plan on doing. You know, select dates wherever. But we'll do anything as long as it makes sense, you know, besides long tours that, you know, they'll just grind you down and bring you, make you miserable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm delighted you said you mentioned Europe, though, because as soon as you guys get over here, I don't care where in Europe it is. I'll make the trip to make sure I get to see you live and we'll have to have a beer or something. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, I, good conversation, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I definitely mean Europe. For some reason, I love Europe. I've always loved Europe. Like, just playing in Europe would have been just amazing, like ever all throughout the whole Europe, you know. Yeah. So, and Greece, you know, because I'm from Greece, you know. Mm. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, we get to do all that um, uh, this next year, you know. And the album, we just, I just feel so strongly about the album that I just want people to hear it, you know what I mean? Because I've been loving, it, and I'm telling you, I've never uh, felt that way about anything. Ever done. And it's weird because they came quick, the songs. What delayed us is the the amount of time we have. Because you know, everybody's been, you know, I mean, just the, the life, but the music just came so quick that it started shocking me hearing the, the song you just recorded in practice. No big deal. So, when it came out like a, I just, and I hate saying this because nobody's going to believe it unless it's them feeling what I'm feeling. Like, it's almost like they were thrown, they just came to us, you know, like a purpose. And, it, and you know, people in interviews go, Yeah, I don't know where I got these songs are in my head. And that's, now I kind of know what they mean about that because I don't remember sitting down to write it like this, to have this album happen with me thinking to have an album like this. I would have said, oh, my God, man, that I could write such a great album. But it came so effortlessly. I just want to see where it's going to lead because it seems like it's more destiny than uh, than there was no planning on it, you know? 
Yeah, I get you. I get you. Like it was meant to be. Yeah, exactly. Like, but just like the band, I didn't want. Uh, we got offers because this kid, a fan, no idea about ever reuniting the band, decided to start a Facebook page, a MySpace page, and then asked us first, you know, because he's a kid that came to Chicago, a fan, literally came visited because he loved the Chicago underground scene. He was Czech Republic is where he was from. He actually came to him. He always would say, you know, back then, fan bangers, you know, like writing snail mail. Hey, I want to come visit you guys in some other man's Chicago. One day he actually calls. I go, hello. He goes, it's Jacob. I'm here. I go, where are you? This is Chicago. I, I, I'm staying with you, right? My parents. It wasn't my house. I thought he was just saying it. I go, how do I get to your house? He ended up staying at my house. And one, and one morning he was in the shower with white underwear, you know. <laughs> uh, walking through my family, but my parents ended up liking him and stuff because because I was thinking he'd be like us, like long haired, evil, you know, metal head, you know. Yeah, he had short hair and looked like a normal kid. Which <laughs> I, when I got him, when I picked him up, I go, thank God he doesn't look crazy, you know. Yeah, it's all about yeah. thrashers in Chicago. Everybody looked like parents didn't like the look, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he came and stayed, but he he ended up starting a page, uh, and then he kept getting bigger and bigger. And then he told us, uh got the offer and then my brother who managed the band in the past goes hey why did you get the band somehow we hadn't talked i go we hadn't talked to anybody i don't know where steve comes into the picture not knowing any of that because i seen him on facebook i said what's up and then he was gone for i hadn't talked to him in 10 years literally so i don't know where he didn't know none of this and then somehow where we rehearsed then i go we're going to do this I, i was fighting it all along is what i'm trying to tell you the reunion i didn't think it ever i had no desire or none of that so Every time I said something, as why we can't do this, something would happen. Where are we going to rehearse? My perfect spot. My brother's got this big place in the suburbs, not his house, where you know where it's the perfect rehearsal place. Man, anything I said, even to the new bass player for since the reunion, he was on the second album, and now there's with George. If I, I don't want to waste time. But put it this way: I'll just say it like this. I was going. There's no way they can. Next thing, yeah, they have what really. Every step of the way, and the music comes like this. Like, <laughs> I mean, I almost. How could you stop it? You know, you have to. When when you go out, we can't do it because of this. And then, oh, this is the purpose. You know, in your head. Then if you stop, and then you just really don't want to do it. You know. Yeah. You know. Because yeah. you're stopping it because that problem or that problem or that every problem gets fixed and it keeps going along. You're you're going. Something's going on here, man. Why we reunite? I think it's almost. I mean. I don't know how many people are going to get the message, but believe me, man, if you go through that concept album and everything, it'll tell you exactly what's going on. And every year that goes by, there's a, that was written like uh, four years ago, the lyrics, three, four years. Every, you know, you might look at those and go, man, that's wrong. How do I have that? Because these are all facts and stuff. Everything's proven right and more so, right? Because I've even mentioned viruses before the virus thing is one way to get, to do it. And uh, and it gives you the solution that your soul is we're important. Your soul's important. They're suppressing that. Just know that they're there. It doesn't even have to be violent. You know what I mean? No riots or anything. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Maybe maybe that's the only thing, right? The message, right? I mean, who else? It, it, it would make sense. and Because I believe in things now that are like, you know, deja vu or something like that. Or something. You're thinking about somebody and they ended up uh, appearing out of nowhere. Those mm. things happen, but they they don't let us know that we could work capable of more than the physical thing. There's invisible things, a whole other uh, like the wires that send signals to phones, or they're invisible. There's shit like that that we have no idea about. 
they were teaching a little bit of the 50s in school, how vibration forms different patterns, but they stopped all that, man, you know, dumbing us down. Yeah, yeah, and trying to remember what the name, it's like the, uh, not the fourth dimension, but it's uh, on another plane. Uh, there's a name for it, isn't there? I can't think of it now, but uh, that other existence, not the physical. Another, yeah, there's another whole physical thing going on. That's why you see kind of like uh, breaks in the matrix thing or well, I love her. Like you'll see glitches where like uh, even Billy Corgan from Smash Point says he was talking to some had major important record company had and he's seen the, the shape shifting right in front of him. Like whatever that is, that's not just made up. There's something going on there. You know, it's breaking it. That's why there's so many videos now where they're so unexplainable. I mean, well, you know, they're, they're not fake videos, you know, where, you know, uh, stuff like that. It's part of the us being becoming the debt slaves that we would become. You know, they want us. They don't want us to know that because, like I said, man, they're afraid of us being uh, waking up. That's all I say. If we all wake up, they're they're done. They're, they're we'll, we'll get our reset time instead of the, they, they click. And I love how they you know they put it in everything like you did this global warming. You know, pollution. Everything, everything they say is such a lie. It's so crazy. Like you said earlier that you can't believe anybody believes. They tell you the world's overpopulated, yet you're flying everywhere around. It's all emptiness. You go. Yeah, the whole world's population can fit into the state of Texas. You know, maybe shoulder to shoulder, you know, close tight, but the whole world population, and we're in a place that's overpopulated, and and you got Bill Gates saying we need uh, to decrease, popul- depopulate because because uh, we're eating up all the resources, yet none of us have companies that are drilling into the earth, oils, and shooting up pollution out of the factories i don't know anybody <laughs> in the 99 percent that owns a million dollar companies that are factories uh drilling you know oil companies you know get they're the, i mean it's almost like oh man how does everybody not awake it was what i'm thinking man I, you know what i mean i don't know i don't know it's uh as i said it's beyond belief because it seems plain to see you know it's weird that more people don't see it Especially now, it's so plain. It's so plain, man. It's so plain because all you got to know, everything they tell you is the official word. As when you look back into it, just like when I first started doing the conspiracy story, I go, "Man, can't the fucking official word for one one time be the one word?" Or I'm looking. I mean, because back then I was like looking for. I didn't know about the, but I know now. You know, I just had a feeling. You know, because things didn't make sense. You know. And you go, why does it make sense, man? These are adults, and they, they should know better. Why would they let this go on? I think I said the last time the marijuana versus the alcohol, you know? Like, for a teenager, we could buy whiskey, but we can't buy a joint that's grown out of earth? And doesn't make us insane? You know, just a little, well, that's not a little thing. But that stuff doesn't make sense. And built up where I needed to know what the real story is. Uh, it can't be just stupidity, because... Over and over, I mean, that many things can't make sense to me. And I I can't name numbers, it's that many, you know, because I always, that, that, that. And people go, man, just, just don't worry about it, Charlie. Even the people, I remember to one guy, hey, common sense, man, I'm telling you, it's going to destroy us all. Man, that's just so-and-so, man. It's just so-and-so. Yeah, so-and-so now has become an army of, yeah. you know, the whole world. But not one time, man, not one official story, man. Never, never, ever, ever. Always questioned the narrative. The narrative? Oh, the narrative is oh, what they say when it comes out as official is never the truth. There's only little hints of the truth when they want it to be in there. That's it. It's never the truth. If if I was doing the research in the beginning and it was like, oh, okay, I see the official narrative kind of makes sense there. No, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, what I always say is when someone, you know, when a family member or something comes to me and says, did you hear this in the news or did you hear what the government are saying now? My first thought is, right, look at the words they released. Now look behind the words and what they don't want you to know. Yeah, look at the words, because the words, the words, you know, sticks and stones break your bones. You know, but the words don't hurt or whatever. That's a lie, man. That's a total lie. Because that's even in one of our songs, which is called Up Is Down, on the new album. It starts out with sticks and stones break bones, you know. And um, it's 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 um, spells. They cast spells with words. Like, words are all decorated to... Uh, the words are so important. It's coming out more and more now how they're changing the definition of things, the meaning of words. So maybe playing the mind games where, you, where they're taking words that are no, like even in the old days, gay was something happy, you know? And then it made it gay, gay. I mean, it, why would words change meaning over time like that much? Nothing happens without them spewing it out to happen that way, you know? Like, and and I love when it goes into like, like stuff that are unbelievable, like the black screen we always look at, the black TV. And when you look at old things, even like old uh, wise tales and everything, that black screen is really a, fa- a big deal, you know? Mm. And then uh, black magic and... uh and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, it's like, so almost every, like even television was designed literally to spread the new propaganda, the new brainwashing, because otherwise, how could they do it? And they even tested it with uh, War of the Worlds in radio days. Yeah. And it, find out that people literally believe that the world was in a, was in a world war by aliens mm-hmm. and yeah. even and then the whole alien thing you see how that started how they wanted that to catch on like that there's other people out there you know blah, blah, to scare us they might come one day you know or there's a meteorite heading to earth all that everything they throw out every day is just to keep fear going you know because when people are scared man that's they don't they don't think right right and um Think about all that, man. Everything that they do is to scare. And yet you got these secret agencies, the alphabet agencies, CIA, FBI, and everything that shows in their history, never once have they come up with one fucking thing that's good for humanity. Not one thing. And the reason they gave that they kept in to keep it a group like it is after a war they created that they created. Yeah, what we're going to do in case this ever happens again? Nothing. And all you hear is, like, yeah, uh, MK Ultra. what's that? Well, they take... Uh, regular citizens and man i even seen a new video on that man did they mess those kids up they they were using them just as guinea pigs guinea pigs and or anything it's always dark and evil and when they meet once a year out in bohemian grove the effigy on stage is horus a, a devil and they're wearing black gowns with black hoods in the woods all to go around making evil stuff. I mean, those are the leaders of all the male leaders of the planet. If, if let's say, how in the world would you possibly look at that and think that's good for you? That, like, <laughs> exactly. The exactly. only time I don't know if I told you other. Maybe if you f- snuck into their meeting and you see happy stuff, they're doing all nice stuff. You know, nothing evil. Their first things are you know some happy thing on stage is like something good. I don't know anything. A big banana. I don't know whatever. Anything, but. Horus? Look at the Maiden lyric. Horus. Well, think of it like this, right? If I was to say to you, there was a new film coming out in the summer. It's going to be a big film. It's about all the leaders of the world meeting in a secret location, doing ceremonies and praising Horus. Now, you tell me what sort of film it is. You'd say it was a horror film. 
and then and then you ask back up and think up. Thank God we're not living in a world like that. You know, that person yeah. where you come out of the theater. <laughs> I'd hate to be in that place. See, that's another thing I can't say. It's almost like I feel like I'm in a movie where I'm telling people something bad's coming and they're not listening. I remember one year I was at a Christmas party and that maybe I found out a couple of things that I go, man, they don't know that. And these, but then I go, that makes sense because they, they're my brother's friend. They're lawyer, you know, the university, you know, they graduated from a university. They're, studied or whatever they call it right they they just went through their um their schools the school is all run by the same one percent you know yeah. the hospitals are all run by the one super everything's run by them so they were indoctrinated that's why they can make it through is that because yeah they, they could they don't question any like you there's no way you could go through it without questioning and going what are you guys talking about and because medicine in itself before they took over medicine about a, a turn of the century it was based on the old Greek, uh, some famous Greek doctor. I can't say the name in Greek. Uh, I don't want to butcher it, but it, just study medicine. Look how it started. They took over all the hospitals and they took from curing to uh, the pharmaceuticals, you know, keeping them alive, just like it is now. That's why you find out the statistics of hospitals. Uh, 250,000 people a year die by accidents in hospitals. Mm. You know, nearly, and that blew my mind when I heard. It. I go that many a year, and it's basically another way of depopulating. You know, what I mean, and keeping them sick, yeah. and getting you sicker and stuff. So, all the man, it, it's it's a world that. You know, how about Brave New World? You see how they they depicted that, right? Mm. Or I just seen a one like uh like it's like going to see a movie that said this stuff, but it was too much fictional for people to think it's any kind of reality at all. Clockwork Orange, even you know, that was showing what what we become. You know. But Clockwork Orange was interesting because out of all the dystopian movies, it shows that there's still crime. Because usually in these movies, they show that people are all docile. Like, you can, there's no rebellion. Maybe on one, 1984, you know, the guy that's the, the movies about. But little Alex and uh, Clockwork Orange, they take him to brainwash him to get the violence out. And then to use him to keep that political party uh, popular, you know. It, it's interesting how they saw it, but... It's all it's all a deception. It's all Wizard of Oz kind of says it. They find out at the end it was all that scary stuff was one little short guy, you know, the the, you know, the, the, the little man behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true, true. Yeah, it, it, even though years ago I seen one for like ten minute video with dots everywhere, and it was a perfect explanation how these few dots control the the other dots, you know. And I could never find that, and because it was early on, right when I started actually. First time, and I, I don't know if I told you that the reason I did the search is because me and my friend wanted to fight because we were both mad. And I was you know, like in an alley, like a first one, same size guys, you know, nothing. And then they were going to call the police on us, the people. Yeah, you were saying that. Yeah, that. <laughs> so that's why I started doing it. And uh, I remember seeing that video. That would have been great because maybe because my mind was more open to it, but it explained things perfectly. And, uh, and going to the Wizard of Oz, it's that little guy. And if they know that, just knowledge is is all it takes, man. Think about this. What, what does it take to take down the one percent? That just knowing it, you know. What I mean, that's all it takes. Nothing else. No other effort. Knowledge is power. Yeah, that's all it is. Because you think you'd have to have a world rebellion. People are here in America. Let's get our, our you know, they want to live in states with all their guns, all their weapons, ready to fight. You know, when it happens, when all they had to do is just know who your enemy is. It's so if you don't know who your enemy is, man, you you know nothing. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. We better jump into the last couple of questions. I'm looking forward to hearing your answers on these now. If you could see anyone in concert for one night only, any musician or performer from history, who would it be? Well, since they're alive and I see them, I can't. I, I want to see that Black Sabbath '78 tour with Annie, but that doesn't count because I seen Black Sabbath the original lineup, and I mean, so it's got to be somebody that I, I haven't seen already in a later form. You know, um, I'd love to see uh, Pink Floyd. No, let's see that goes. Ahead. All right, I want to say I'd really like to see the Beatles during those uh, German shows. Oh Germany yeah, with rock and roll band. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, because because I see I love the Beatles. Discovered them way later, you know, like in the nineties. You know, as growing up in my twenties, I, I never even thought of the Beatles. But um, so I love them to the point. I think the White Album's amazing. I think uh, this is, they're good. those songs are amazing. You know, so yeah, the Beatles. I mean, because I oh, no 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 Led Zeppelin. Yeah, actually, yeah, Led Zeppelin. But it have to be the early like like nineteen. 19- Anywhere between 69 and 74. Mm, perfect years. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one then. This is an interesting one. If you could spend 24 hours locked inside a room with any musician from history, who would it be? Oh, man. It's, it's, they're popping in my head so many, man. <laughs> but, well, I'll pick my all-time favorite rock star musician. You know, because not only Eddie Van Halen. Right, right. Yeah, because he he was a guitar god. Yet he had songs that he released without solos. Like you know, there's the, you could count a handful of songs on the early albums. They had no solos in them. You know, like "Dance the Night Away" had no you know no solo. So he really could write hits, catchy mega rock hits. You know, I rock like beautiful girls. You know, just great rock hits. Not for teacher or whatever. And he changed the way. Like before him, everybody sounded kind of like. Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy Page, all the greats. I don't know. They didn't sound like after 78 eruption, everybody sounded like Eddie to this day. So it was like the two Hendrix, that bluesy thing, 78, everybody still has that uh, electrified sound, you know? So, and not only that, he goes, every young band now you look at their stage, they're using 5150s. Mm. So now his amplification and his guitar company. I remember one band getting an interview and they were, or somebody was talking stuff. They barely knew anything about Van Halen, but they loved 50, 51, 50, the guy. I remember the guy goes, Eddie Van Halen, Van Halen. They were like, what? Like, <laughs> oh, oh, you know, Eddie Van Halen, the guy that owns this? And they go, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they didn't, it, it wasn't because, you know what I mean? So he's literally like Marshall Stacks now, you know? And, and he also had, a, as a, when we were growing up, to be a mega rock band, you had to have the look. Couldn't, Van Halen couldn't exist if there were three ball little fat guys. You know what I mean? It was just, it had to be a whole image, you know? Just like Willie Kiss couldn't, or or any of them, they had such, Freddie Mercury, look at look at that, when he had the long hair, he looked like out of this world, you know? Yeah, or yeah. Or Judas Priest, or even Maiden, every band in their era had the killer look, you know? The fit yeah, the whole package. Yeah, the whole package. It was, it was part of the package. And, uh, and um, he had, as a, guitar player man he had the perfect long hair he had the he, he was ripped and he was flying through stage like this like totally uh, things climbing the amplifiers so he was a perfect package 
I'd have to pick him, even though I, there's a lot of other ones. I wouldn't mind sitting down with Roger Waters, you know. Mm-hmm. It's because he loves talking this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you can't argue with that, anyway. And the final one. If there was a song that could appear on the soundtrack to your life, what would it be? Don't go crazy, no. <laughs> Simple rhyme, a Van Halen song. Right, right. Why that one so? Because that eighth grade when we were first listening to that album all year, it was that's more of a, it's more like a, it, it doesn't sound like a regular a party song, Van Halen. You know, it's it's got more of like a a guitar a, a picking of acoustic guitar start, not acoustic, but you know when it's like more melodic and everything, and it it reminded me like um. Angel, can you hear the angels singing? I was thinking back then, like angels when you die, you know what happens to you. It was like making me. It always made me re- wonder what happens after you die. Because can you hear the angels singing? And, and and my mom would tell us when we when I was little, like uh, somehow I like the angel wings, you know, or whatever. And she said, yeah. Since so she she made up some lie that you know she should get some for me and stuff like that. <laughs> just like just like she told me she bought me a whole horse because I love horses. And, uh, right. yeah, I got your horses in Greece, and every time I was walking around, I was cutting like wheat for well, things to get this. And I still take <laughs> me all this back to Greece to for my horse. <laughs> the song thing now is it's gonna buy me because now I want to think like I'm thinking of more songs, but we'll just leave it in a simple rhyme. Right, right. It's one of them questions though. Like tomorrow, you'll be like, "Damn it, I should have said that one." <laughs> yeah, because yeah, right now I keep thinking of other songs that were important, but. I'll just leave it at that because, to be real, that album, that Van Halen album in 1980, took me from the Kiss years to the you know the years where I felt it was more not a kid, a kid band, you know. Now that that was such a strong thing, you know, I love that album to the point where, literally, I'm not joking around with this. Every day for a year, every single day, the whole album. And uh, if that didn't happen, then maybe I wouldn't have been in the band, you know. Yeah, yeah, it started you on your journey. So yeah, you could take another road easily if they, maybe it was gotten into more. Just being, I like sports. I like, it's paying attention. Then you got a regular job. You didn't ever even thought about music, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the uh, the power of music. Music is almost as bad as the world is. Uh, music makes it so much better. If you took that out, then it'd be intolerable. That's for sure. You can say that again. Geez, I wouldn't like to think of a world without music. Oh man. No, because nothing, it's it's like a drug, it's like a drug.
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up to Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing here? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.